Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Let's go, North America. Mraz here with you on CBS Sports Radio. If you were looking to listen to an American woman, I'm sad to disappoint. Instead, you just get a fat, bald guy from Long Island with you for the next four hours. But this is After Hours, usually hosted by Amy Lawrence, who is off to celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday. Well, we are broadcasting live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. Busy, jam-packed show. Plenty of football to get to. Plenty of hoops to get to. But on Wednesday, could we have gotten a more wild day on the college football head coaching carousel, particularly as it pertains to Chip Kelly, a lightning rod, a guy who is the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles and San Francisco 49ers, if you were just an NFL fan, who left college, had such a great run at Oregon, and is looking to get back in. And reports, depending on where you went today, started with, well, he's definitely leaning Florida. He had agreed to a deal with Florida with a certain out clause. Well, now he's leaning UCLA. Then he's leaning Florida again. When all is said and done, it looks like, and according to other reports, he's expected to not consider any other college openings. It's going to be either Florida or UCLA. And make no mistake about this, Chip Kelly has only one right choice to make, and that's to go coach the UCLA Bruins. One choice, that's it. In a day and age now in Florida where Miami and Florida State, Florida State just a couple years removed from a national championship, and Miami, the talk of the town down there with the turnover chain and all that swag, recruiting in Florida will be vehemently difficult, much more difficult here for Chip Kelly just to go parachute in and, and really hit the ground running. Chip Kelly has plenty of pipelines out on the West Coast, having coached in Oregon, having coached in the Pac-12, and he knows how to win there. It's going to be easier for him to get talent out there. It just is. you got to be able to relate to the kids in Florida right now. That turnover chain in Miami seems like a silly deal, but it means something down there. A kid in Florida sees that and sees Miami going undefeated and getting all the hype. They want, they want to be cool. They want to be in. They want to be with the in crowd. Can Chip Kelly, who's a little weird guy to begin with, enter a recruit's house in Florida, sit down with the family, sit down with the kid, sell him on the up-tempo offense he's going to have, but be able to relate to them and relate to that? I mean, Chip Kelly probably thinks that turnover chain in Miami is like Flava Flav's necklace with the big, with the big clock hanging down. That's the kind of guy Chip Kelly is. He, he just He's not in touch with, I think, the modern-day kid looking for swag. I think the California kid's a little different. And Chip Kelly can relate to that. He can sell the offense out there. If you grew up on the West Coast and you're 17 years old, you're 16 years old, you remember Chip Kelly when you were growing up, running that Oregon offense, getting a guy like Marcus Mariota in, and winning Pac-12 titles. The college football playoff did not exist when Chip Kelly left Oregon for the NFL. It now does. 
and with only four spots for this foreseeable future, one power conference is always getting left out. And right now, if it wasn't for Washington last year, right now you had Sam Darnold and USC, who look like they have a great shot at winning the Pac-12. They're not going to get into the college football playoff. In the SEC, as long as Nick Saban is there coaching Alabama, the SEC is going to get into the college football playoff every single year. And nine times out of ten, it's going to be Alabama led by Nick Saban. Or it's going to be Auburn if they upset Alabama in an Iron Bowl because they have all that Alabama blood. Or it's going to be what Kirby Smart's doing in Georgia. Those are three enormous hurdles to get over in the SEC for the next four years for sure. And does Chip Kelly want to jump in? Does he have the ego to jump into the SEC and think he can slay these behemoths? If he does, he's going to be sadly mistaken because I don't think he can outwork any of those three coaches. I don't think he can. And I don't think he has the pipeline there to do that. He does at UCLA. He does on the West Coast. In the last four years, once we get past this Pac-12 championship game, if USC wins, the Pac-12 will have had four different champions in four years. There's parity out there. There's good coaches, too. There aren't programs like there are on the SEC. Chip Kelly can get it done at USC. If you want to win national championships, which should be any college football coach's dream, which should be any recruit's dream, right? Don't you want to go and you want to play for a national championship? Don't you want to rule the college football playoff? It's going to be much more difficult for Chip Kel- for you to do that for Chip Kelly in Florida than it would be for UCLA. And Chip Kelly has to know that. The number for the program today is 855 212 4227. That number again is 855-212-4CBS. You could follow me. This is Sean Mraz. You usually hear me on the DA show on CBS Sports Radio uh, playing the Fat Robin to DA's Batman. You can follow me at MrazCBS on, on Twitter. I will be taking your tweets all night long, specifically on this subject. But UCLA over Florida, that's it for me. It, it has to be. I mean, UCLA has had a lot of good prospects come through their program the last couple of years, but Jim Morris is not a good coach. With Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen at quarterback the last three years, you're telling me UCLA couldn't sniff a college football playoff? They couldn't because their coach was terrible. Chip Kelly could get the next Josh Rosen to go to UCLA. He can't get that guy down in the south to go to Florida. That kind of guy that can run his offense. It just can't happen. Chip Kelly, UCLA, you have to get it done. And you know who would hate this more than anybody who I think should have their eyes on this more than anybody? Roger Goodell and the NFL. Chip Kelly at UCLA is the NFL's worst nightmare. They are trying desperately to make two teams in L.A. work and really trying for this to work in a season in which L.A. might get two NFL teams in the playoffs and nobody there seems to care. The Rams are one of the great stories in the NFL They can't sell out the Coliseum. How many empty seats are there every single week to watch what is probably the most exciting offense in football led by Jared Goff, another Cal quarterback out there, can come through and play in the Pac-12 that Chip Kelly could recruit, led by Todd Gurley, Sean McVay up-tempo. The fans aren't buying it there for the pro game. The Chargers, who wants to go watch them in a soccer stadium? It's all road fans. You get Chip Kelly at UCLA, And that town, which is a college town with the rivalry between USC and UCLA, and you bank on USC always being very good and competitive and maybe a two-loss team, a three-loss team, and maybe they get a little fired up to try to out-recruit Chip, that's a bad thing for the NFL if Chip Kelly goes to UCLA because LA will become even more 
college crazy of a football town than they already are while continuing to not care about the NFL as a behemoth of a stadium is being built just to please Roger Goodell and get Super Bowls in there. There's so many dominoes that could fall here. So many. And Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly, he has the keys to all of this. He can make the NFL shake, and he can change college football and change the Pac-12 for the better. And if that wasn't enough on the college football coaching carousel this week, specifically on Wednesday, how about the report out of Michigan that Michigan is considering giving Jim Harbaugh a lifetime extension? Jim Harbaugh, a lifetime extension. I know he's got a big name. He's still got the khaki pants. And people are seem to be still enamored with what he did in San Francisco, but do we forget that he didn't win a Super Bowl there? He seems to not be able to get a big quarterback to get to Michigan. I know they were banged up at that position this year. But they how many times are they going to lose to their big rivals? They're going to lose to Michigan State, lose to Ohio State, lose to Wisconsin, lose to Penn State. If you're Michigan and you're content beating down Purdue and beating down Rutgers and beating down Maryland and being able to have the Jordan brands, you know, embroidered, embroidered? Is that the word? Embroidered, I guess. Yeah, you're going to learn that with me. I'm not very good with the English language. They want that on their uniforms, and they think Jim Harbaugh sells that. That's great. If I'm a Michigan fan, I want winning football. And it's not to say that Jim Harbaugh can't get them there, but all I've seen is mediocrity and third-place finishes for a couple years. And to jump the gun now and give him a lifetime contract, why? Because you're fearful that a big NFL team could come calling, that the Colts could get rid of Pagano and, and try to lure Harbaugh into Coach Andrew Luck, that the Giants could make a play for that. Maybe that's what Michigan's feeling, and if they give him a lifetime contract and he feels secure and he'll never leave and he'll never stay, good for them. How about you win some big football games and beat big rivals first? Because that's what should be important to them. So if you want to call in on that, you want to call in on Chip Kelly, please hit us up at 855-212-4CBS. That number again is 855-212-4227. On Twitter, my handle is at MrazCBS. That's M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. When we come back, a fascinating night in the NBA as they get ready to take a day off on Thanksgiving. But after watching these games, and specifically one big one, nobody should be feeling thunderstruck about the Western Conference as we head into the rest of the stretch. Mraz, CBS Sports Radio. This is After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Mraz, here with you on CBS Sports Radio. No, that's not on my birth certificate. My name is actually Sean Morash, but they call me Mraz. And if you are a CBS Sports Radio listener dating back to the early days in 2013 and 2014, up at these hours, you're familiar with the DA show. And I was the producer of that show. I still am, as we have moved on to... Mornings on the West Coast and middays on the East Coast from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on CBS Sports Radio on many of these same affiliates where you could still uh, catch DA doing the show and me doing what I do, which is sometimes throw in a lazy effort and sometimes be pretty decent at my job. As I mentioned, you could tweet at me at CBS. Tweets rolling in early. Dude, two minutes in, sigh, it's Oregon, not Oregon. It's a trip hearing your voice hosting, though. Yeah, see, that's the thing. That, that tweet's coming from Kevin. If you're expecting me to teach your kids an English class, I'm not the guy. 
Okay, I had a very mediocre GPA in college. I went to a very mediocre college. But I've stumbled into something I like doing here at Sports Radio. I can talk sports. I enjoy laughing. I am not good with grammar. So that will probably be the first of many tonight. But thank you for listening, Kevin. Thanks for tweeting in. Chris tweets, I know recruiting against Nick Saban is tough in the SEC, but how do you convince a kid to go to UCLA over USC? That offense, man. Point to the offense. Those kids growing up on the West Coast, watch that Oregon, Oregon. Watch that team play while Chip Kelly was coaching. Sell, sell, sell on the offense. And Chip Kelly can absolutely do that. So that's keep those tweets coming in at Mraz CBS and call at 855-212-4CBS. That number again is 855-212-4227. We will get to a little NBA here coming up in just a moment. First, let's get to the phones. Todd in Pennsylvania is on CBS Sports Radio. Todd, what's going on? How you doing, Mraz? What's going on, Todd? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. What do you got? Well, I wanted to talk about the Cowboys with you for a minute, but I first I wanted to say I agree with you uh, about Chip Kelly. I do think he would do a better job at UCLA, and I think the competition would be not nearly as steep as it would be over in the SEC. So I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. If you want to win national championships, which should be your goal, then USC is the job for him, not Florida. Absolutely. And then what I wanted to say about the uh, Dallas Cowboys is um, I think that coaching is a big problem with them. Um, I really do. Um, uh, Marinelli on the defensive side, uh, he he just can't seem to make adjustments. In that Philadelphia game, they were setting traps up constantly against our line, and he made no adjustments to stop that. You got Linehan on the offensive side of the ball, and they basically got three running plays for Zeke Elliott, and he, in fact, Ezekiel even said as much. And they basically got uh, um, three or four plays in the passing game for Des Bryant, who never was a speedster. Right. And so they don't got nothing on the outside. And so when they're shutting down the running game and they're too predictable, it's easy for uh, I think defenses to, to game plan for them. Uh, I'll take your comments off the air, and it was it's good talking to you, and uh, you're doing a good job. Thanks, Todd. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, the Cowboys, it's very easy to criticize coaching when their entire coaching staff is puppets for the Jones family. Well, let's just call it like it is. Jason Garrett is a puppet for a head coach, and Rod Marinelli got a lot of accolades last year on defense. It's really nice with your defense can basically never be on the field because you're running the ball so many times with Ezekiel Elliott. That defense was so overrated last year, and now you're seeing in two games, and I know they're banged up without their leader in Sean Lee, who's always banged up. They're getting exposed, and when you get exposed, coaches get exposed, and the Cowboys coaching staff is getting exposed. Let's go to Jason in Alaska. Jason, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, I just wanted to say congratulations on having a show, Mraz. Thanks, Jason. What's going on, man? Oh, you guys are on in the mornings, and we don't get you get... I don't get the DA show in the morning, so it's been a while since I heard you. I appreciate that. Well, Jason, Jason, all you got to do, go to daonCBS.com, click audio. You can listen to us every day, podcastable. It's on Play.it and iTunes as well. Right on. Yeah, unfortunately, I warned warned DA that, you know, they were going to bring up an AHLer that wasn't quite as good as him. And, you know, (laughs) writer tries, but he's just no DA. Well, Ryder does a good job. Thanks for the call, Jason. Bill Ryder's an excellent 
excellent sports talk host, does a great job writing for CBSSports.com, knows his NBA, I would say, better than anybody here at CBS Sports Radio. But thank you, and we miss you guys in Alaska, Jason. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Now let's get back to the NBA point here. A full slate of action with the NBA taking Thanksgiving off. And the biggest game of the night, we finally got the Thunder and Warriors with the Thunder Big Three, quote-unquote that they have rolled out here for the season. And this offseason in the NBA was fascinating. It might have been the best offseason of any professional sport in the last five years. I mean that seriously. With Chris Paul going to the Rockets, with first Paul George going to the Thunder, and then right before the season with Carmelo Anthony going to the Thunder, it finally felt, or at least it felt like to many NBA fans, that we could be getting out from the stranglehold that is the Golden State Warriors always meeting the Cleveland Cavs in the NBA Finals. And tonight... We were going to finally get a taste. Okay, what do the Thunder have? Can they go slay Goliath? Well, Thunder went out, and they win this game 108-91 tonight at home. They win their fourth game in a row at home. They played tremendous defense. Thunder, uh, the Warriors not hitting threes. And now you're seeing for the second time in a week, if you can hold the Warriors under 95, like the Celtics did last Thursday night and like the Thunder did tonight, and those threes don't fall... Yeah, you could beat them, especially in your own building where the Thunder are playing well in Oklahoma City. They're taking care of business. But I'm not going to sit there off tonight's win and think, okay, all right, now the Warriors are in some trouble here at 13-5. and The Thunder are going to give them a run in the West. They can match up with them. I don't think so. I still think Carmelo Anthony is going to be a major problem for this Thunder team, and you saw it at points tonight. Paul George has a double-double again. He's playing well can go get the rebounds for him. Russell Westbrook's going to be Russell Westbrook. But Carmelo Anthony, it's like they still have to slow this down and play iso ball with him at times, and it really makes no sense. Like, Carmelo Anthony should absolutely be the third focal point on that team behind Westbrook and Paul George. And when you're the third part of that team, and I don't care if you're a wing, if you're playing guard, if you're supposed to be the third scorer on that team, but that doesn't mean you have to force the slowing down and getting to iso ball, which is exactly what the Thunder are doing. Now, they got away with it because they played tough defense. No thanks to Melo. But I'm not convinced now after tonight that we're going to sit back and go, all right, the Thunder. They could go take down the Warriors in a best-of-seven series. I need to see more, and I'm afraid we're not going to see more because I think Carmelo Anthony is really going to slow this thing down. And also from this Thunder Warriors game, can we get enough of the phony hatred between Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook? Do I think those guys like each other? No. Do I think them going, you know, face-to-face and getting heated with the trash talk is really genuine? Also, no. We saw all this last year between Durant and Westbrook, and now Westbrook's got a little swagger behind him because he's got George and Carmelo. I think, I truthfully believe this. These guys behind closed doors, do I think they're, you know, at Applebee's sharing a half-price appetizer after 10 o'clock? Absolutely not. Do I think when they get to, you know, the same city or they're in a locker room at an All-Star game, do I think they're going to absolutely talk, give each other a high-five or a... Or at least a, a nice handshake? Absolutely. That hatred is so phony on the court and is done for theatrics. And some stuff with the NBA here, it's just making me feel more and more like it's becoming the WWE. And good for them. That's the way they market it. And that's the way they got to sell it to fans because otherwise we'd all be suckers into watching the same NBA Finals matchup year in and year out with the same two teams you know, always making it. So you sell on the, on the fake hatred, on the superstar stuff. And that's what we're getting Westbrook and Durant. And we got more of that nonsense tonight. The flannel man is in the house, Marco Belletti. Marco, a recent homeowner, 
I never see you anymore, and it's good to see you here working overnight. What's going on? The power chair. The power chair. How about that? I feel uh, a little more comfortable. I was a little shaky early on, especially when American woman plays, and I'm looking at myself going, I look nothing like that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm I, I thought it was solid. I didn't like the little thunderstruck little tease. You that, don't like my tease? That's a week. Yeah, that's, so that, I, that's not you. I've that, worked you, with other better ho- than that. I've worked with other hosts at CBS Sports Radio, and they keep telling me, sell on these teases. Oh, no, give, no, no. Give no, me that, good teases. No, that's, that's I thought tr- that was good punny. That's true. That wasn't a good tease. There's a difference. Ooh. There's a difference, yeah. Well, you're a you're be- hater. You're better than that. I am better than that. You're better than that. All right. Well, thanks, Marco. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to get that Kentucky-Fort Wayne score again. <laughs> when, when we come back, we will talk more about this UCLA and Chip Kelly room, rumor as Yogi Roth from the Pac-12 Network, an excellent, excellent guest, will give us some insight on that. And we'll ask him, in 10 years, Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold, who's, hosting, who's hoisting a Super Bowl trophy? This is After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. All right, welcome back to CBS Sports Radio. This is Mraz on After Hours, filling in here for Amy Lawrence. And the story of the day, story of the night, Chip Kelly, Florida, UCLA, depends on who's reporting it. We've heard rumors it's been a tug of war all day. And who better to give a little Pac-12 perspective than Pac-12 network analysts here frequently when we have him on the DA show on CBS Sports Radio, Yogi Roth. Yogi, what's up? Not much, brother. How you doing? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Yogi. And let's start right there. Chip Kelly rumors swirling everywhere. I made the case here on the show. I believe UCLA is the better job for Chip Kelly than Florida. What do you believe? Um, I think it depends what he wants. You know, to be quite honest with you, like I've been talking to a bunch of people, obviously, about that. And you look at, number one, what he did when he was the head coach at Oregon, and he changed the game. You know, you look at college football right now, and everybody has a walkthrough on a Thursday, and they have a hard practice on a Friday, because that's what Chip did. He dove into the science of it. And if he comes back to the West Coast, it's awesome. It's awesome for college football. It's awesome for this conference. And it's incredible for him in terms of, you know, I think being able to elevate a program uh, quickly, right? You got a new facility, obviously fertile recruiting ground. In the SEC, the draw to every coach I've talked to that are current head coach in the SEC or have worked there before, they all say the draw is it's kind of the football mecca because there's nothing else that exists, right? right? And, and I think that's fair to say, and even a Pac-12 fan would agree with me there, that in Gainesville or Starkville or Tuscaloosa, there ain't much going on outside of your football program. So game day is insane. Offseason is insane. So I think when you look at that, he's going to have to obviously weigh the culture side of it. And I think you also have to weigh can you win and be a realist. You know, what Alabama has now is a stronghold. You know, they might lose this weekend. They've been depleted injury-wise in a lot of places, but they've been crushing it. And I think they'll continue to do that as long as he's there. So easier path to winning quicker is probably UCLA in terms of big-picture stuff. Um better environment for your life if you don't want to be in a fishbowl clearly it's ucla uh, but if you want to be on the stage that a lot of coaches competitively want to be on and this is a guy who obviously struggled on his last two spots in the national football league then you go there so i really think it comes down to personal preference there um, of course i hope he comes out to the west coast it'd be amazing uh for college football if that happens yeah and i'm glad you brought that up because with ucla specifically and the pac-12 you look at a couple of years ago when, when Jim Harbaugh went to Michigan and Urban Meyer was in Ohio State and everybody was talking about, how oh, look at all the coaches in, in the Big Ten. 
Look at what we have in the SEC with Urban Meyer. And as, you know, Florida tried to get that with McIlwain, tried to, you know, Kirby Smart in Georgia. How important is it for the Pac-12 now to get back in his arms race for coaching? So how big a deal would this be for the Pac-12 to get Chip Kelly back involved? Well, with no due respect, disrespect to other coaching staff, I think that when you look up and down the Pac-12, it's it's the deepest coaching staff, I think, in the country, uh, in any conference, when you look at the head coaches and the coordinators that they have and maintain um, in terms of guys that have had NFL experience, guys that get offered other jobs. Um, it happens every year out here more so. You know, David Shaw, to me, would be considered in the NFL circles a steal for anybody, right? So I consider him a top-five coach who's coaching football right now just in terms of the draw that GMs and owners would want. Chris Peterson, he's in the 1% of those guys. The success Leach has had, at least in his style, makes him the guy in the air raid offense. Willie Taggart is going to get pulled, and I'm sure innuendos from schools, whether it was Florida, reaching out, as reported earlier. If Jimbo leaves Florida State, Justin Wilcox will be a hot name for other places with what he's done. Um, and I can go up and down the list. So I, I think, yeah, it clearly bolsters the conference, but, but I think that it would bolster the SEC more so from a coaching acumen standpoint or from the coaching community standpoint. And uh, just because I look at the depth of the coaches and the guys that are there um, and where people are pulling them, the jobs that they turn down that don't even get reported every offseason, it's just more so almost every guy at every school in the Pac-12 has opportunities to go somewhere else every year. Um, for the, at least 10 of, 10 of the schools right now, if you looked at last year, they have a chance to go somewhere else. Very interesting. And, and we're talking with Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network Analyst. You can follow him on Twitter, at Yogi Roth. And as I was reading your tweets today, or on Tuesday, I noticed you mentioned Ken Norton Jr. as a guy, maybe at UCLA they should go after as an assistant. He was just let go as the Raiders defensive coordinator. You mentioned him as, as a fabulous recruiter. Why not, if Chip Kelly doesn't go there, though, Ken Norton Jr. as a head coach? Why just as an assistant? Oh, totally agree with you. He should be in the conversation uh, if he wants the job. I mean, Ken is a star. You know, I coach with him at SC, as you referenced, and uh, I've never seen a guy motivate the linebacker position better. Um, I was with him a bunch when he was in Seattle with Pete, uh, with Coach Carroll with the Seahawks. Um, he did the same thing there. He's just got an infectious charisma to him as a recruiter dynamic, um, and he should be in the conversation wholeheartedly. I think that if Chip doesn't get it, then it's going to be really interesting, right? Like Mike Norvell is an obvious name you should look at. Right. Scott Frost is an obvious name you should look at, of course. But I also think they should look at Jed Fish because the reality is I think Jed's going to get a job as a head coach somewhere. You know, what he's done with that offense, how he's developed Josh Rosen with minimal playmakers um, that are going to be playing on Sundays compared to some other places in the Pac-12, let alone around the country, is ridiculously impressive. Um, and Josh is probably leaving 70 to 100 yards on the field every game. You know, when you go back and you watch the tape, I think Mike Bloomgren, uh, Stanford's OC assistant head coach, will get a head job. I think Bolt Baldwin have an opportunity, the coordinator, former head coach of Eastern Washington, to get a head job. Jonathan Smith is in the mix at Oregon State, as is Jimmy Lake. So I think there's about five or six guys on the West Coast that are going to get head jobs this year. So for, for UCLA, um, I think wholeheartedly I would go down that road. You know, to, to go get a Kyle Whittingham, which would be great. He's clearly ridiculously proven. It would be interesting. You know, if he comes knowing this city and knowing offense and knowing the inconsistencies, at least that his offenses have had the last couple of years, um, you know, from the coordinator standpoint, I think it'd be an interesting hire if they, if they went down that road. And Ken would be somebody that I would hope they'd interview. The challenge is now, man, and you know this, is that this early signing thing is real. Yeah. You know, December 20th is around the corner, but, but most importantly, it's the weekend. 
right? So if we look at December 20th, from now until then, let's just assume there's no official visit weekend next weekend, the first. So now you're talking about two official visit weekends, and you got to put a staff together. You might be pulling guys from the National Football League. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard, um, and you need players there. And it's not like Cal last year. Cal last year signed 14 guys because Justin Wilcox, he didn't come on until January. Right? If you remember how late that thing went on. Um, so it's kind of a similar situation if you just look at how much time remaining until signing day. He only had two official visit weekends as well. So that's a real thing. Um, and I think that's the reason why they let Jim Moore go early. You know, I think they let him go early so they could go have a conversation with Chip Kelly. My understanding is that Chip wouldn't talk to anybody who had a sitting head coach out of his respect for the game. And it's interesting that, you know, then UCLA went and let go of coach early to not coach in, in the final game on the senior day. Um, because they wanted to get in the sweepstakes, which clearly is proving to be valuable. Um, as here we are talking about Chip Kelly making a decision the next, what, 48 hours, we would assume. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network analyst, joins us. All right, Yogi, Heisman talk coming up here. Baker, Baker Mayfield, after the incident last week with the uh, the grab her around the world, maybe that will sour some voters on him. And Saquon Barkley, after everything that uh, he had gone through early in the year, kind of has tallied off a little bit. We haven't had enough East Coast love, no pun intended, on Bryce Love out of Stanford. Make the case for him to win the Heisman. Well, number one, I just look at the tape, right? That, that's the first thing I would ask a Heisman voter to do. You know, this year I'm, I'm really lucky and honored to have a vote. And I'll never forget the, the very first thing I did when I got the phone call in the summer. I was at the opening, actually. I'll never forget when I got the call and they said, okay, hey, you've got a vote. And uh, I was super stoked on it. It's okay, take me through the criteria, and I'm going to build my process. And it was very obvious what it was, right? The definition is simple. The outstanding college football player whose performance best exhibits the pursuit of excellence with integrity. And their mission, according to the Heisman Trust, is to ensure the, uh, the integrity of the award, right? So I look at that, and it is not the best quarterback. We have awards for that. It's not the best college football player. We have awards for that. It's not the best running back, right? You have the Doak Walker Award. You have awards for that. This is different, and, and I say that because I come at this, I think, with a unique lens of my roommate in college was second in the Heisman, Larry Fitzgerald. I coached Leinart and Reggie Bush. I was there for that. I went to the Heisman that year. And then I covered it with Marcus Mariota and Christian McCaffrey when they won it and didn't win it. So I've seen you know, heartbreak a couple times. I've seen people win it, and I've seen probably the best Heisman Trophy speech, at least in my lifetime, in Marcus Mariota, and I thought that's how it affected the game. And he defined exhibiting excellence with integrity. And I say that because I look at the Baker Mayfield thing over the weekend. I think it's so overplayed. Like number one, the dude's a former walk-on and you got to be and play with a chip on your shoulder. I was a former walk-on. I get what that is like. Uh, he's clearly at a totally different level, but you have to motivate yourself almost a little differently because it's always you against the world. Right. I look at the weekend and I even think the emotion around it, I love it because of the pageantry for the game, but I mean, it's, he's playing in the game. It's not like you get kicked off the team and will never play college football again. So I think that's a little overblown. But my point is that the integrity of the game, right? If you look at the path, the behavioral patterns of Baker Mayfield from uh, the underage drinking incident over the summer to incidents throughout the season, they're not the best example of great integrity. Now, he didn't kill anybody. He didn't do anything crazy. But they clearly, I think anyone in their right mind would say, didn't necessarily exhibit excellence with integrity. When you look at Bryce Love, who leads the nation in over 10 rushing categories, with the average passing game at best, everybody in the world knows he's getting the ball. What he did against Washington with one leg against one of the top four rushing defenses in the country with two NFL players in the interior defensive line, 
NFL linebacker and two NFL safeties on the middle of that defense. He attacked them and played really well. No one can take that from him. And then you add in 4.5 GPA, a major in uh, biology at Stanford. The integrity side of it, it tilts it a little bit. So to me, the performance is similar when I look at uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, a great example. Oklahoma had 14 explosive plays in that game. Heading into Washington, Stanford, Washington gave up 14 explosive plays. And the dude went off against them. So I just think you have to take into consideration. And I love what he did against TCU. And I, he's, he's balled out all season long. But to me, right now, today, heading into this weekend, and not because I work at Pac-12 Network, I've taken a lot of slack <laughs> for that, but because of the definition of the award and the behavioral patterns of Baker, I, I lean towards Bryce Love. And I say that with one more story. Okay. You know, I talked to a lot of GMs, like our, our front office guys heading into the draft. And I'll never forget getting on the table for Johnny Manziel with the Browns. I got to know Johnny at the Elite 11, and my stance was he's a great kid. He's made a couple poor decisions. Well, his behavioral patterns continued clearly, and that is just who he was. So for Baker, there's an element of tremendous remorse, which I love, and I hope this thing influenced him for the rest of his life. But if we're looking at the integrity of the game and splitting hairs with this vote at the top, I don't know how you can't listen to that discussion or the definition of the award and say, yeah, Baker, it's a slam dunk. It's a no-brainer. Like, you got to have the conversation. And I'm so sick of people saying it's a runaway because you saw that happen to McCaffrey, and 15% of the votes were done before the Pac-12 title game where he had over 250 yards, and nobody voted for him. because, Or, excuse me, 15% of the people voted prior to the, prior to the game, which to me is you should get your vote taken from you if that happens. So that's a ramble, but my point is there's a definition of the award, and it's not best player. It, there's a lot into that, and to me, in the words – pursuit of excellence with integrity. And that's why today, see what happens in the next two games, <laughs> potentially for Stanford, uh, who I would lean with. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network Analyst. You can follow him on Twitter, at Yogi Roth. Heisman voter, giving a unique perspective uh, to this whole ordeal. All right, Yogi, before I let you go, because how could I have a Pac-12 Network Analyst on without asking about Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen? But I'll forget whether they're going <laughs> to enter the draft, forget whether they should enter the draft. Ten years from right now, Thanksgiving weekend, 2027, which one of those quarterbacks is most likely to have won a Super Bowl? Oh, I like that question. Um, geez, well, whichever one didn't, I mean, I don't want to take a shot of the Browns again, but whichever, <laughs> one, whichever one didn't go there. Uh, I mean, I still am bewildered how they can't turn that program around that organization, but uh, who wins the Super Bowl? God, you know, there's, there's so, so much that goes into that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think that Josh today, because he's played an extra half of a season at least, because he was, you know, he's been in the spotlight since he was a kid. You know, Sam didn't have to deal with that. I think that Josh, if you had to start as a rookie, which would happen if you're a top five draft pick, right? He's probably more suited physically and even in this football acumen to do that today. Um, Just because of the three offensive coordinators, he went from spread to pure West Coast to now a blend um, in terms of what he has to do with the line of scrimmage. I think right now he's a little bit more ready. But if you said in three years, who would you take on your team? I would pick Sam because I think he's he's unlike anybody that we've seen in a while in a three-yard radius in the pocket. Josh is really good within a, a one-yard radius. He's got unique footwork you know, from his tennis background. But Sam, his second, third reaction game is silly. And you can compare it to Andrew Luck, but I think he's even more explosive. You know, He's almost like wow. a point guard when they cross you over. He does that in the pocket. You know, how many times have you seen that type of move? 
um, from Sam, you know, and, and I was trying to rack my brain. The only comp is Andrew. Now, Andrew was special because he was physically a freak. You know, you go and you watch the SC game his junior year and he just trucks a DB. I mean, the guy is, he's different than Sam, but Sam is six foot four, plays like a point guard, built like Carson uh, Palmer when he came out of college, and he's got a thirst for knowledge. Uh, so I think in a couple of years, I'd probably take Sam, but I think both of these guys are, are going to be stars. I, I think that the rap on Josh if it's still about him and arrogance and, and making questionable decisions, I think is, uh, is, is, is inaccurate. You know, um, I think, I think Josh to me for a guy I've known for a couple of years now is going to be a star. I really think that he loves the game more, more than people think he's been through more than people know. And I think when he gets to the NFL, yeah. Will he question a lot for sure. Will he be an outspoken guy? Yeah. But welcome to 2017. I mean, that's, that's the world we live in and none of his, I think, uh, viewpoints, are crazy. I think we're just like, wow, somebody said that that was in college, whether it was about college athletes and academics um, or politics, wherever it may have been. Um, but he hasn't been arrested. He hasn't gotten a DUI. He hasn't done anything ridiculous like that. Um, so I get on the table for both of them, man. I know that doesn't help, but Super Bowl, I, I don't know. I hope they both win it. I hope I'm there. <laughs> well, I hope that uh, I hope that hot tub sales go up in Cleveland real soon because maybe that uh, maybe that'll work out for Josh. You could follow Yogi Roth on Twitter at Yogi Roth. Works for the Pac-12 Network as an analyst, does a great job, and in a unique Heisman voter. Yogi, thank you so much for your time, and have a happy Thanksgiving. You got it, brother. Thanks, man. You too. Take care. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network. Great to get his perspective. If you need auto parts but can't get to the store just yet, head to O'ReillyAuto.com. No shipping costs, easy returns, and convenient pickup on your schedule. Shop your way for the parts you need at O'ReillyAuto.com. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. This is Mraz here on CBS Sports Radio, filling in on After Hours for Amy Lawrence. Happy Thanksgiving to all. Mishman tweets, hearing about this lifetime contract for Harbaugh, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. He's just not what we thought he was. D'Antonio rebuilt MSU with two and three star guys in one season. It's embarrassing watching Jim struggle. Yeah, I agree. Why this doesn't get enough attention, Jim Harbaugh is kind of like Teflon. He struggled. He, he never beats any of his big rivals. Here we are now three years in. And where's, where is it? They're going to set up to play Ohio State this weekend. Does anybody have any confidence they're going to turn around and beat Ohio State? Is Ohio State just trying to sneak in to the college football playoff with two losses? I just don't see it. Michigan, man, be be careful with Jim Harbaugh and giving him a lifetime contract. Well, we got a big hour coming up next. Tyrod Taylor, the starter again in Buffalo. Did I miss when he became Joe Montana? We'll get into that. And more of your calls at 855-212-4CBS. That number is 855-212-4227. Morass, CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Amy Lawrence. I get really annoyed with being accused of hating your teams all the time. First of all, I don't know who your teams are. Second of all, I couldn't care less about anything outside of what gives me the best story. You do know this is my business, right? Which means I root for game sevens. I root for buzzer beaters. I root for goal line stands. I root for the drama. So whatever is going on at the time that's good for the radio show, that's what I root for. I'm a After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Yeah, I root for goal line stands, too. I do. 
This is Mraz in for Amy Lawrence here on After Hours. Joined by Tom DiBendetto, producer Tom on the other side, working Thanksgiving. Love that work ethic. What's up, Sean? It's awesome to have you here. This is crazy. I'm pumped, Tom. I'm, I'm trippy. I'm glad. When I was working Thanksgiving, I thought for sure I would have, you know, the next version of me seven years ago working. But no, I get the real deal. I get you here in the flesh. I'm flattered, I guess. I think I think that is. James Graceffo dressed as Artie Lang for Thanksgiving. He's at the controls tonight. James, hello. Hi, Sean. How are you? I am mentioned my Ric Flair shirt. Yes. Beautiful Ric Flair shirt. So a, as you can see, the A-team is here tonight. That's right. <laughs> as we embark on this Thanksgiving, I am, or as you can usually hear me, um, producing the DA show on CBS Sports Radio from 9 a.m. to noon. And we did the overnight airwaves for two years when the network first launched. So, we did a lot of college football in the first hour with Chip Kelly, and obviously did a little NBA with the Thunder, knocking off the Warriors, but have a little NFL. This is Thanksgiving, after all, and what is more traditional in Thanksgiving other than turkey than football? And let's get into it. On Wednesday, Sean McDermott finally did the obvious, and he made Tyrod Taylor once again the Bills' starting quarterback, which it didn't take an idiot to figure out what happened after Nate Peterman went out and threw five interceptions in a soccer stadium in L.A. on Sunday. Look, Nate Peterman wasn't ready, and Sean McDermott should have known better when he made Nate Peterman the starter for that Charger game, that he wasn't ready. Now, could anybody foresee a quarterback going out and throwing five interceptions in their debut? No. But I would think the finger on the pulse, the way McDermott has coached his Bills team this year, he would have the wherewithal to do that. But the common theme when this news broke last week about McDermott making this move was that the Bills were in a playoff spot. They were holding the sixth seed in the AFC, and the Bills have not made a playoff berth since the Music City Miracle versus the Tennessee Titans. We all know that, how that heartbreak ended. And ironically enough, that had a quarterback controversy tied to it as well as Doug Flutie had played well all season long only to Rob Johnson come in while Flutie rested in Week 17 when the Bills had everything locked. And then they kept Rob Johnson and played him in that wild card game and just didn't do enough. And the Bills had a lead, but ultimately that miracle ended them. But with Tyrod Taylor here... I read a lot on Twitter and a lot of fans rejoicing it's about time. Tyrod should have never lost a job to begin with. And that's very easy to say after a rookie quarterback goes out and throws five interceptions. But did I miss when Tyrod Taylor became Joe freaking Montana? This is Tyrod Taylor. This isn't Matt Ryan who won the MVP last year, who struggled at times this year. This isn't Ben Roethlisberger. This isn't Tom Brady. We know that. This isn't Aaron Rodgers. This isn't Matt Stafford. You see where I'm going here? How many quarterbacks I can easily rattle off on the tip of my tongue that are better than Tyrod Taylor? Yeah, because Tyrod Taylor stinks. Tyrod Taylor is another version, a younger version, of everything we've seen in Josh McCown, in everything we have seen in Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you're a Bills fan, your situation's a little different than almost every other fan base in the NFL. And that you want to make the playoffs and don't care if you go out and go to Kansas City and Arrowhead on wild card Saturday or Sunday and get killed 40 to nothing. You just want to be there. You just want that week leading up into a playoff game, and I get that because it's been so long. There's been a whole generation of Bills fans who all they know are wild videos on YouTube of their tailgates of people crashing the tables and not actually any playoff football. So when you see Nate Peterman throw five interceptions on Sunday while you're sitting in a six seed in the AFC, and now you see the Chargers win that game, get the tiebreaker on you and climb, and you see the Ravens jump over them for a playoff spot, you're going, well, Sean McDermott, what are you doing? Why did you why did you bench Tyrod Taylor and go with that? Well, Sean McDermott benched Tyrod Taylor because the offense needed a spark. 
And quite frankly, Tyrod Taylor's not getting it done. The week before the Charger game, you know the Bills played? Do you remember this? The Saints went into Buffalo. The Red Hot Saints. And they beat the Bills 47-10. Tyrod Taylor was just 9 of 18 in that game. Only a 50% completion percentage. His passer rating was 33.6. What other big quarterback making the playoffs is having that passer rating versus a playoff team? If you want to compete and you want to feel like you belong with the playoff teams, I'm not saying you have to beat them all, especially the Saints. But when you're at home, you maybe want to be competitive in the game, and they weren't competitive at all. And a lot of that was because Tyrod Taylor stinks at quarterback. Now listen, if you're a if you're an NFL fan, or if you're a Tyrod Taylor fan, and mediocrity is what you want. If you want to sit down every Sunday and know there's a 50-50 shot, you win every game, and those 50-50 odds come out, and you're 8-8 eight and eight at the end of the year, you're 7-9, and nine, maybe you're 6-10 after a couple bounces of the ball, then Tyrod Taylor is your man. He's the quarterback for you. But if you have big dreams and you want to be a legitimate playoff team, if you want to win 10 games every year in this league, and you want to enter the NFL in a league that's already proven you could be the last wild card and go win a Super Bowl, you could be the one seed, get knocked out right away, or you can win a Super Bowl. No matter what seed you are, you have a shot as long as you get in the dance. That only works if you have a real franchise quarterback. Tyrod Taylor is not a franchise quarterback. The number is 855-212-4227. The number again is 855-212-4CBS. You can follow me on Twitter at CBS. And I'm interested to hear all, all of your takes on this. Can the Bills you know, even win a playoff game with Tyrod Taylor? Are we missing the boat? Are we overrating Tyrod Taylor because of how bad Nate Peterman was? Think about it. Nate Peterman threw those five interceptions... And he stinks, and the Bills coach thought he was better than what Tyrod Taylor was bringing to the table, who had played and got the Bills into what was a playoff position. And also, let's not overvalue that playoff position either, because this has been just a trash year in the AFC. If this is a halfway decent year in the AFC, the Bills weren't even in a playoff spot of 5-4. and four. I know they got off to a hot start and they were winning at home, but now you start to look like look at who they beat. They beat the Jets, they stink. They beat Denver, who stinks. They beat Tampa, who stinks. And they beat the Raiders, who can't get out of their own way. And uh, let's go back down to October 8th. The team lost to the Bengals and only scored 16 points. The Bengals are terrible. 16 points versus the Cincinnati Bengals? Whose fault is that? Tyrod Taylor's fault because he's the quarterback. So with the, this phony... Nonsense about Tyrod Taylor is just being, you know, un- unjustly done. And I, I read something in the New York Daily News last week where they tried to draw parallels between Tyrod Taylor's benching and Colin Kaepernick not having a job in the NFL. You want to talk about apples and oranges? I mean, please. Now, do I think Colin Kaepernick should have a job compared to some of the other stiffs that keep getting looks like TJ Yates? Absolutely. Do I think Tyrod Taylor's benching has is unjust? like Colin Kaepernick's because it's anything to do with race? I mean, please. Are we kidding? Tyrod Taylor got benched because he's not getting the job done. And the Bills the Bills have a decision to make here. Newsflash, Tom Brady's 40 years old. And the AFC East, whether we realize this or not, is going to be ripe for the taking in the next two years. And the Patriots have made a mistake getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion. But at some point... The wheels are going to fall off Tom Brady, and somebody that AFC East has got to have to take the mantle and not let the Patriots go on another 15-year run. That somebody could be the Buffalo Bills with Sean McDermott as head coach. And he drafted Nate Peterman, not in the first, second, or third round. I get it. Late. He was a guy who had a hot combine and came on late, and the Bills took a chance on him. McDermott 
understands that this Bills team is not good enough to get out of wild card weekend, even if they get there. And I know Bills fans want to see it. But he has to get a look at Peterman now because, like we just talked about with Yogi Roth, when you consider guys like Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, and then there's Josh Allen, there's Baker Mayfield, if you're into, you know, crotchety type guys like that. Uh, there's Lamar Jackson. This quarterback draft is so rich. This end up, could end up being the best quarterback draft we have seen in 25 years. And Sean McDermott, good for him. He wants to see if he needs to spend a high pick on a quarterback, perhaps a first-round pick. Because remember, when they were trading away all their pieces, the thought was, especially Sammy Watkins before the year, the Bills are tanking. The Bills are tanking because they saw the Jets tanking and they want to get a quarterback. Well, then the Bills rattled off wins early, and they were playing for McDermott. So then they went and traded for Kelvin Benjamin. They did all of this and all these pieces because it kind of didn't feel like they knew what they were doing. They thought they were tanking, then they were winning. Then they realized they weren't as good as their record had indicated, so now let's go see what we had in quarterback. Well, I think you saw that Peterman stinks. Maybe he ends up being a starter down the down the line, but maybe his confidence is shot forever. But Tyrod Taylor is certainly, certainly not the answer. So if you're expecting this Sunday when the Bills meet the Chiefs, struggling Chiefs team, for Tyrod Taylor to all of a sudden go out there and complete 31 passes and throw it all over that Chiefs secondary and go into Arrowhead and the Bills win and all of a sudden they're going to go on this roll and make the playoffs, you are sadly mistaken because Tyrod Taylor is not a good quarterback. So stop now with the the comparisons that he is a he's a guy who's going to win you ball games. He's not. He's a guy who's going to win you just enough to be 500 where you're never being a true playoff threat and you're never drafting in the top five. And that's the worst kind of quarterback you can have on the team. Tyrod Taylor's upside is the worst kind of quarterback you can have on an NFL team. And that the Bills, they just got to ride it out for the last couple weeks. You're not going back to Peterman. You've annoyed Taylor. But go ahead. Watch Tyrod Taylor Sunday and watch him for the rest of the year because what you see is what you get. And it ain't going to be pretty. And look no further than two weeks ago with his mere 10-point performance versus the Saints, a team that at home, go be more competitive with if you're a true playoff team and you're a true big-time quarterback. You suck. This is Mraz on CBS Sports Radio. Tweet at me, at MrazCBS, M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. I'll be reading your tweets throughout the night. And please get in involved with the show at 855-212-4CBS. That number again is 855-212-4227. Uh, Boston fans, you out there listening? Your leader, Kyrie Irving, he once said the earth was flat. Tonight, he finally said something smart. We'll discuss that next. CBS Sports Radio. He's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Mraz here, filling in for Amy Lawrence on After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. And we are coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studio. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. As I said, you could tweet at me at CBS. That's M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. And Darren tweets, 100% agree with Tyrod. Time for the Bills to move on. I don't love seeing the Pats clinch the division every year by week nine. I don't blame you. If you're a Jet, Dolphin, or Bill fan, this has to drive you nuts. But I promise you, the end is near for Tom Brady. We've said that forever. But he's not the bion- a bionic man here. I mean, what, what are we doing? Bionic. 
He's gonna eventually. Age father. Nobody defeats Father Time. Tom Brady's not gonna defeat it. You want to be in position to be there when Father Time defeats Tom Brady. And the Bills are not going to be in position if Tyrod Taylor is their quarterback. Now, for the rest of the year, we learn Nate Peterman cannot be that guy. So Tyrod will be there. But don't expect Tyrod to lead them on some magic carpet ride, and then you should bring him back next year. That would be silly. be absolutely silly. Let's go to the phones here. The number is 855-212-4CBS. That number again is 855-212-4227. Randy in Alabama, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Randy, what's going on? What's going on, Mraz? What's uh, up, bud? No. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Now, let me start by saying you're doing a fantastic job, and I hope they give you more gigs, man. I appreciate sure. it. Well, I will be in tomorrow night, tomorrow Friday morning as well, same time slot in for Amy. So you'll you'll be hearing me 24 hours from now as well. I will be on because I deliver papers, so I'll, I will be, I'll be catching you then. Uh, I will say I can agree with you more about Tyrod Taylor. He's... He's not the answer, and I've known that for almost two years. I mean, the whole time he's been there. Now I don't. I knew I had a bad feeling about Peterman to start with, but you know, I just I guess they did have to check him out. But I'm looking towards the draft. But I, I got to say, the the one quarterback I'd like to have, I, I don't see how we get him, and that'd be Sam Darnold, maybe Josh Rosen. But I I, I see your team a better chance of getting Sam <laughs> Darnold. All right, Randy. Thanks for the call. Let me tell you something. Don't count the Bills out on Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen for that reason. It's quickly forget because they got off to a fast start. But all those trades they made, specifically with the Rams, they accumulated draft picks. They have a lot of assets to move up and trade up. What are the two teams with hot young quarterbacks right now that look like they can make a run to the Super Bowl? The Rams with Jared Goff and the Eagles with Carson Wentz. Neither of those teams, when the season ended, were picking first and second in the draft to take those guys. They went up, they valued their quarterbacks, whether they be Goff or Wentz, and they traded assets to get those guys. They traded assets that they didn't really stockpile. The Bills have stockpiled assets. They made so many deals to go to go do that. So that's the benefit the Bills have. And look for the 49ers here, because they made that trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers are out on drafting a quarterback. So if the Giants are dumb enough to go win a couple more games and slide out of the two seed, right now they're not even in, and the 49ers are sitting there at two, they hold all the cards in the NFL draft when it gets to that point. And the Bills, if Tyrod Taylor's not their guy, which I don't believe he is, can go make a trade with the 49ers and get up there, take that pick, and go get their guy. So, Randy, I wouldn't I wouldn't count that out just yet. Let's get to Brian, Lowell, Massachusetts. Brian, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, hey, I think this is very funny that you're talking about Tom Brady not defeating the test of time. Well, okay, so now he's going to be the first person well, ever no, to defeat the well, test of time. Well, he's going to defeat the test of time. You're saying two years. I think that's just ridiculous. Two, when, well, hold on. Play. When do you think Tom Brady's going to play till? When he's 50, Brian? Uh, I think he could probably hit 50, yeah. I mean, oh, get serious. I'm, I'm serious right now. I've, 50? I've been doing my research. He's done better. Doing your research on what? The avocado done, ice cream he eats? No, I've done every. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't get sunburns either, if you've read about that. Yeah, but, he uh, doesn't get sunburns. He's the only person yeah, it, it, who it, it, could go to Cancun very, and not get uh, a sunburn. You, really think, you think Belichick's going to leave the Patriots high and dry after Brady leaves? You're ridiculous. He hasn't made it. He makes very little mistakes, if any. At some point, Belichick's going to get worn down. He's going to coach till he's 85. You are crazy. You think he's going to get worn down? He's going for number one. He's going for the number one spot. 
I think he's already the greatest coach of all time. No, How much more does he have well, to justify? Well, I'm talking about number one win. He's what, down by 100 or 80 Okay, wins or so what? good. He can get there, and then we can stop winning Super Bowls when Tom Brady's gone. And thanks for the call, Brian. And what you have there is another delusional Massachusetts lover. You know, I'm, I'm sure that guy was obsessed with David Ortiz. He could do no wrong. I'm sure, you know, he's got a nice Larry Bird poster. He eats his clam chowder. Loves driving on the turnpike on a Friday, and it's just delusional. Tom Brady could play till he's 50. This is what we're dealing with with these people up there. This is what we're dealing with. Tom Brady could play till he's 50. Get serious. Heap of trash. Speaking of Boston fans, you had a guy in Boston say something smart today, which is so ironic because of what we just heard somebody from Boston say something so stupid. And it's Kyrie Irving. And give Kyrie Irving... All the credit in the world. He was questioned for leaving LeBron and wanting out, when in reality, he was on this a year quicker. He didn't want to sit back and have LeBron leave him high and dry, so he got out of there. And the Celtics, after that horrific Gordon Hayward injury in the first game, start the year 0-2, go on this win streak, 16-game win streak. It ended tonight in Miami. They lose to the Heat, 104-98. Okay, it's the NBA season. Did we expect the Boston Celtics to go 80-2? and Absolutely not. But I found one quote from this game very interesting. That was after the game ended, they go to Kyrie Irving in the locker room. Kyrie simply says, there's still a lot to be accomplished going forward. Absolutely right. Here we are in November. It was a nice win streak, but it was time for it to come to an end. It was time for it to come to an end. Why is that important? Because what do we teach ourselves or teach the next generation? Uh, Other than having fun, of course. You're out there to win. You want to win every game, right? When you go out there and you run out of the locker room as a professional athlete, you want to win every game. And that's the cliche. Newsflash. That's not always true. Especially if you go on streaks like this. Ask the Cleveland Indians. Ask the Los Angeles Dodgers. They won. They went on incredible win streaks. The Cleveland Indians, I mean, geez, August was all about them. Did either of those teams end up winning the World Series? Do you think they taxed themselves a little too early on putting pressure on themselves to win every game as those streaks kept rolling? I do. I absolutely do. I think both of those runs that those teams went on cost them. Now, the Dodgers run happened earlier, and they ended up making the World Series. I get it. Do I think the reason the Astros won is because the Dodgers went on a streak early in the year? No. Do I think the reason the Indians lost to the Yankees was because of that win streak? Partially, I think they were a little taxed. And, and that mental pressure can wear on you. And I think the Celtics were feeling that. You go on a 16-game win streak in November where there's not a lot of juicy NBA storylines, you become the story. And if you're in the Eastern Conference and you're the Boston Celtics, heck, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, if you're the Toronto Raptors, you're chasing the big dog. And the big dog is LeBron and the Cavs. They're the team in the finals every year, and that's the team Kyrie just left. Let them be the big dog. It doesn't matter that they've struggled early in this year. And there's questions about how many minutes LeBron is playing. You want the pressure still when the playoffs roll around to be on the Cavs. You don't want to be the team that won, say, 24 games in a row in November and December, coast to a one seed, and everybody gets ready for playoffs and goes, we're going after the Celtics. The Celtics, we got to beat Kyrie Irving and the Celtics. You're going to have motivation no matter who you are and what team you play in the playoffs, but it's a lot harder to be the team that's being hunted by everybody, as the Celtics could become if they just rattle off these win streaks in a row, than it is being the hunter. The Celtics need to have the mindset that they are the hunter of the Cavs. They need to go after LeBron with that killer instinct. 
they don't want to be the hunted. So Kyrie is smart when he says it was it was time for it to come to an end. No better time for it to come to an end. 16's enough. And not that you'd ever throw a game, and I'm not suggesting they did, but that was it. That was the time. Lose a game, that's it. The pressure's off. We could kind of forget about this. They hadn't lost a game in 35 days, and the Celtics can go back to being the Celtics. Win five games, lose a game. Win another three, lose two. Win eight. Like The ebbs and flows of a season, that's what the Celtics have to do here. The number for the program is 855-212-4227. That number again is 855-212-4CBS. Keep the calls rolling in on that. My Twitter handle is at MarazCBS. We'll continue to read your tweets. When we come back, it's officially Thanksgiving if you're in any of the four major time zones here in the United States. So guess what? I have some tips for you. They call me the dictator of Chubbo Nation, all right? Thanksgiving's my day. I know how to eat. I know how to do it. And if you want five tips to a successful Thanksgiving, this isn't like the Today Show. You're going to get the real tips coming up next. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. Benny and the Jets. We can have Benny in the mess with the New York Giants on Thanksgiving night. This is Mraz here. CBS Sports Radio. Sean Morash is my name, my given name by my lovely parents. And I go by Mraz as a nickname that was adopted on the CBS Sports Radio overnights when the DA show held the spot now located by Amy Lawrence. The DA show, you can still catch me with DA as his producer. As I like to say, he's Batman and I'm Fat Robin. Well, today I get to be Fat Man, Fat Batman. And I am in for Amy. So, you can follow me on Twitter at MarazCBS. Tweets rolling in from Trigger, who says, Hey, news of the day is that Manute Bowl was playing in his 50. Sports medicine is advanced. Tom Brady's a QB, so he'll be protected. I won't go 50, but I could see him going more than two years. And this is all in response to a caller from Massachusetts saying that he thinks Tom Brady will play till he's 50. Now, could Tom Brady play more than the next two years? Yeah, I guess. Could Tom Brady be the guy lighting up the NFL the way he is past the next two years? No. No. Again, I don't care what kind of health kick he's on. I don't care what kind of Uggs Giselle's got him wearing. I don't care that he could tell everybody he doesn't get sunburned. Tom Brady is not playing till he's 50. And he's not going to be an MVP candidate past 2019 either. All right? The day is coming in the AFC East for somebody else. And... Those poor people in Buffalo, I'm just, I'm looking out for you. You deserve this. You haven't made the playoffs. Move on from Tyrod after the year and stop thinking he's the end-all, be-all. Let's get back to your phone calls at 855-212-4227. First, sign up to be an O-Rewards member today and start earning instantly. O-Rewards members earn $5 back for every 150 points you earn. It's fast, easy, and free. Only at O'Reilly Auto Parts. See store for details. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. Let's get to Tommy in Illinois. Tommy, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, what's going on, man? What's going on, Tommy? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Wait, are you calling from, like, a, a space shuttle, the moon? What's going on? No, my phone's on speaker right now. Can you take uh, us off speaker? I'm on uh, regular, like, speaker. I can't get it. All right, I'm sorry, Tommy, but uh, you got to go. It's the name of the game. I've been a producer here at CBS Sports Radio for a long time. Speaker phones, they just don't work on the radio. I'm sorry, it just doesn't work. It's not going to sound good. I'm hearing my kickback, and nobody wants to hear that. Let's get to Johnny in Illinois. Johnny, 
you're on CBS Sports Radio. Johnny, you're not on CBS Sports Radio. You're not. So that's back-to-back awesome callers. And let's go one more. How about the trifecta? Antoine in the Bronx. Antoine, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, good morning, Sean. How you doing, man? Good morning. What's going on, bud? Hey, I know you love uh, you love Rangers hockey. Let's talk some Rangers hockey. I'm sure that's what the nation is ready to hear. But okay, what do you got for me? Who cares what they think? I mean, I was listening to WFAN in New York a minute ago, and someone just asked their overnight host, Tony Page, if he thinks the Rangers have enough toughness this year. You know what he said? What did he, he say? said? I'm not the guy to ask. Now, Sean, what do you think of a host? On- it is Thanksgiving, right? Happy Thanksgiving to all. You're going to have a lot of tips, right? Your aunt's going to be at Thanksgiving today, your cousins, and everybody's going to have, you know, their traditions and, and different things you have to go to. It's time to end tradition, and it's time to just start listening to me, okay? I am a guy who once weighed near 300 pounds, have thankfully lost some weight. I am one who has never been shy from a, a triple header, as you say, a three-peat, a three-plate performance on Thanksgiving, followed up by multiple desserts. I know what I'm doing. So I'm here to give you your five best advice, you know, five best pointers here on Thanksgiving, your five tips. James, strike it up. Love to eat turkey. Love Adam Sam. <laughs> Love to eat turkey. I love you. Love to eat turkey because it's good. Now, if only there was more Thanksgiving songs. It's really, Adam Sandler's really cornered the market here. It's either that or a really low-key Charlie Brown. But we'll make do. So your five tips for a successful Thanksgiving. Number five. Have your significant other drive to wherever you're going. And if you happen to be driving by yourself, I'm sorry this tip doesn't apply to you. But if you're going with anybody else at Thanksgiving, your wife, your girlfriend, your mom, your dad... Don't be the driver. Why? Because chances are, at least if you're on the East Coast, you will be leaving at some point during the Lions-Vikings game on Thanksgiving. And with all the technology we have between iPad and phone, there's no excuse why you can't stream this game on your phone, your iPad, or at least listen to it through headphones on your phone and stay involved because it's going to be a big game, Lions-Vikings. But if you're driving, ah, you might have everybody asking to put the radio on, put a little music on. Not everybody's into the football. Have somebody else drive, and you're still locked into the Vikings lines. <laughs> and that sound effect's a little hat tip to the old overnight days when the gobbler from Green Bay used to call the DA show. Number four, don't dress up. I mean, enough already with the dressing up on the holidays. I, I don't understand this. Why must it be on a day where I'm going to have gravy f- spilling all over my face? I'm going to have pudding on my cheeks. I can't even button my pants three hours into the meal. Why is it that this is the day we pick as a family to throw on nice button-down shirts, sometimes slacks, sometimes dress shoes? I don't get these families to do this. And if you're out there and you're one of these families that's doing this, realize that out of the ten people down at Thanksgiving, there's only three of you that really want to dress like that. You're ruining Thanksgiving for the rest of us, okay? I used to go to a family member's house that was like this. And it almost feels uncomfortable. Thanksgiving's about comfort, right? It's comfort food. It's comfortable football. You don't want to be dressed up like that. You want to be wearing a football jersey and a pair of Zubas, okay? 
The elastic band, and by the way, you have less leftovers if you wear sweatpants because there's more room to work with. Get rid of the dress clothes on Thanksgiving. Nobody needs it. <laughs> Number three, and this pertains to a lot of things in life. I could be talking about running in a marathon. I could be talking about playing in an NFL playoff game. But I'm talking about eating on Thanksgiving. Start slow. Finish strong. <laughs> Start slow. Finish strong. And what I mean by that is... You're going to see if you're at one of these Italian houses, the antipasto come out, the lasagna come out, and I love an antipasto. I love the lasagna and all that. Don't want to load up on a lot of heavy noodles and stuff like they do in the Italian households because when the turkey comes around, the stuffing and the mashed potatoes comes around, you need to be prepared to have at least two plates. You need to be. Because if you're only, if you're stuffing your face on the lasagna and all that and all you have is one, one plate, you've disappointed yourself and then you just had like regular dinner and wasted the calories. Take it easy on the appetizers. The shrimp cocktail ain't going anywhere. It's going to be back out on the 4th of July. Relax. Save yourself for the big meal. (laughs) Number two, help put away dinner. You don't want to do dishes, but strategically get up and help put away the meal when they're packing everything up. Why do you want to do that? Why would you offer any help, Sean? It's Thanksgiving. Why do you want to help? I'll tell you why. Because you want to be able to control the leftover distribution list. If you're not hosting, or even if you are hosting, there are leftovers to be had. There always are. And if you want to go home with some and have the proper turkey sandwich the next day, and you want to make sure you get white meat, not dark meat, or make sure you're getting something at all, by putting away the food, you throw in a little simple one of these. Oh, and you know what? Do you mind if I bring any home? Oh, sure. No problem, Sean. Bring some home. No problem. You help it out. You control this if you're helping out. But don't help out too much because then you get sucked into doing dishes. And nobody, nobody wants to be doing dishes. Number one. And this is probably the most important piece of advice on Thanksgiving. And this goes for pumpkin pie. This goes for apple pie. This goes for pecan pie. This goes for pudding pie. You are going to be amped up for dessert. Amped. Don't run to be the first piece to grab a pie. I want to have the first piece of pudding pie. You know why you don't want to grab the first piece of pie? Because the first piece of pie always falls apart. Unless you happen to be going to Thanksgiving at the Royal, you know, Cabanas somewhere. What is a Royal Cabana? I don't know. I just made that up off the top of my head. Where you have, like, really nice serving silverware. Chances are you're just cutting this with a knife, and the the pie is going to fall apart. You need that first piece taken out, and everything works around that. It's like a giant clock taking chunks of time. Don't grab the first piece of pie. (laughs) And those are your five tips for a successful Thanksgiving. You follow those tips, I'm telling you right now, your holiday will be changed forever. And enough with the dressing up. All right, CBS Sports Radio, the number is 855-212-4CBS. That number again is 855-212-4227. My Twitter handle is at MirazCBS. Let's go with... Derek in Pennsylvania wants to stay on the Thanksgiving topic. Derek, you're on CBS Sports Radio. What's going on? What's up, Mraz? How you doing, man? What's happening? I'm doing great, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving. It's great to hear the uh, co-pilot of the mothership uh, bringing it here on CBS Sports Radio. Well, don't don't tell DA you think of me as a co-pilot because then you're going to be hearing significantly less of me on the DA show, but I appreciate it. Boy, <laughs> what do we got? Well, I, I mean... You are a pop culture phenomenon yes, and I are. a dictator, but are you really one to be given Thanksgiving tips after the Thanksgiving draft you just ah, had? 
Uh, oh, so for those of you who don't know what Derek's mentioning, we had a Thanksgiving draft on the DA show earlier on Wednesday, which can be seen on YouTube.com, search CBS Sports Radio, as it was on the Watch DA stream. And Derek, as Derek is going to mention here, Derek, what, what didn't you like about my draft? Desserts. <laughs> I had to load up. Anti-pasta. I had to and a lazy boy. <laughs> and a lazy boy. Well, Derek, thank you for the call. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Yes, yeah, so what we did on the DA show earlier on Wednesday is four of us, myself, DA, Andrew Bogish, and Pete the Body Bilotti, who will work on the show. We did a Thanksgiving draft where we had a bunch of food items and a bunch of, you know, furniture, if you will, that we could draft. I ended up going furniture early. The TV got taken off the board, and I need to watch football. So I took an iPad to watch football. I took a lazy boy to sit and relax because there's some people who got turkey, but they can't sit anywhere. And that left me without any turkey, without any ham, without any lasagna, and I had to go desserts. I took pudding pie, I took cannolis, and I ended up with an antipast. So that was my Thanksgiving. You're saying this doesn't make any sense. I think my draft knowledge and my expertise is a slob on Thanksgiving I opted for comfort in football over heavy meats, and maybe that was a mistake. Again, if you want to hear the audio of that, go to daoncbs.com, click the audio tab, and it's up there, the Thanksgiving Day draft. Good job by Derek listening. Let's go to Ray in Pittsburgh. Ray, you're on CBS Sports Radio. What's going on? Uh, I'm actually, I live in Vegas, but I'm back home for the holidays with my wife and two kids. We went to the Steeler game last Sunday. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it was the first time my two daughters were able to get to the game. Or both well, did you go last thir- Was it last Thursday, the Thursday night game with the Titans? Yeah, yeah. We're going to go Sunday night to the Pack game. They're going to fly out Monday. But I have a question for you. And it's like every year now, it seems like it's going to be like year to year with Ben. Do you think, even though they drafted this Josh Dobbs from last year from Tennessee, do you right. think they should maybe look in the draft this year? I was thinking like maybe they could maybe try to get this Josh Allen from Wyoming. He's their type of quarterback. Yeah, uh, thanks for the call, uh, Ray. Yeah, see, here's the deal. If you're a team like the Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger, if you're a team like the Chargers with Phillip Rivers, and as has been noted because they're going to have such a high pick, the Giants with Eli Manning, ironically, all those guys came into the league together in 04. This is the draft to do it. This is such a deep draft. It doesn't just start and end with Rose and and Darnold. Those might be the top two guys in everybody's mind. But as, as you just mentioned, Josh Allen from Wyoming, don't sleep on Lamar Jackson from Louisville. He can run all over the place. But if you're the Steelers, you absolutely should start to look uh, to move on. And Roethlisberger had said earlier on Wednesday that he doesn't understand why people are questioning his heart. Well, Ben, you're the one who put out there after a bad performance early in the year that maybe you don't have it anymore. And before the year, you were on radio in Pittsburgh, I believe on our affiliate 93.7, the fan in Pittsburgh, talking about how you might be considering retiring as early as at the end of this year. I'm telling you right now, November, I have no idea if Ben Roethlisberger is going to play quarterback in 2018. And I don't think the Steelers know either. So they'd be fools not to draft a quarterback. And are you ready for a hot take? I think the guy that ends up quarterback in the Steelers next year and being a starter, if Ben Roethlisberger chooses to retire, ends up being Eli Manning. And here's here's my connection with that. The Roonies and Maras are very tight. And if the Giants go draft a guy like Donald and Rosen... The value in drafting a quarterback necessarily isn't that you want them to sit there for three years and learn behind a guy because you want to capitalize on that rookie contract and win when you're not paying that guy the money he will eventually get. Like the 49ers lost all that value on Garoppolo are going to have to pay him a ton of money. So if the Giants can convince Eli Manning to waive his no-trade clause, which I think from the help of his brother, who left India, a place he never thought he'd leave, to go play for a contender in Denver and eventually win a Super Bowl after playing in two, I think Eli Manning could be convinced. 
And I think Eli Manning doesn't want to end up in Denver, let's say, where he has to follow his brother's footsteps, but a place like Pittsburgh, who's ready to win with a big-time wide receiver, and Eli obviously knows how to handle those with Odell Beckham, and with a running game, Eli hasn't seen a legitimate running back really since Tiki Barber, CBS Sports Radio's own. I think Pittsburgh could make a lot of sense. Now, all this, all the dominoes have to fall where Ben Roethlisberger actually retires, which, again, is very possible because you don't want to put it out there, even though now he's backtracking and saying, why would anybody question me? But I think that's very live and up, up for debate. And now you might say, well, that doesn't really make sense because you just said if you want to draft a quarterback, you want to cash value on him, and you're telling the Steelers to draft a quarterback. Okay, well, what if the Steelers, look where the Steelers are going to be drafting. Towards the end of the first round, maybe that's, again, where they get a Lamar Jackson. Maybe that's where Baker Mayfield falls. Maybe they like Mason Rudolph. And those guys aren't ready to play right away, and you get Eli for a year, okay? And one or two things happen. Either you love the way Eli's going, and you keep him for another year. Or you had Eli for the year, you took a shot, made whatever playoff run you had to make, and then you don't have him for that second year, and you go to the rookie you drafted. But good point, right? The Steelers should absolutely be in the market. The Steelers, Chargers, Giants, obviously the Browns all come to mind as teams that should be in on drafting quarterbacks. And I firmly love this quarterback draft. And you just watch these guys play in the last two weekends of college football. If you're not a big college football fan, which I get it, some people aren't, especially up in the Northeast, I've become a major college football fan. Watch these guys play the next couple of weeks. They're excellent. There are so many good quarterbacks here, and all these teams should be drafting them. All right. When we come back, Thanksgiving football is upon us. A lot of pressure. None bigger, no more pressure than for one quarterback that we will see. The most pressure on him. Coming up next here on CBS Sports Radio, this is Mraz. Follow me on Twitter at MrazCBS and tweet at me, 855-212-4227. CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Feel free to be angry at the national radio host. That is fine with me. I can take it. Bring it on. You have the option of walking away from the radio if it bothers you that much. But I have a job to do, and this is part of it. I don't enjoy this story any more than you do. But I would invite you to turn off the radio if you don't like it. It's really not that difficult. Is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. This is Mraz here on After Hours, filling in for Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. It's the day of the bird. Bird is the word. Who's ready to eat? I am. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Now I'm starting to get loopy here. As we take you through here on CBS Sports Radio, the number is 855-212-4227. The number again is 855-212-4CBS. My Twitter handle is at MrazCBS, M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. Joined by producer Tom Tom Bendetto, joined by James Graceffo, doing a great job. We are coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. We're going to get to you guys on the phones in just a sec, but Thanksgiving, man. A lot of pressure on some teams. And this was a schedule that kind of looked, eh, a couple weeks ago. And that was a ton of pressure on teams and on individual players. But to me, as we embark on these three games where we will sit with our family and pig out and watch, there is no bigger amount of pressure on a single person playing on Thursday than there is on Case Keenum. Can anybody figure out how long the leash is with him with Minnesota? I can't. 
The guy's playing like a pro bowler. He really is. His defense did a great job only allowing seven points last week to the Rams. He threw for 280 yards. The week before, out-dueling Kirk Cousins, he threw for 304 yards. Their bye, a week before they played Cleveland, he threw for 288 yards. And here we are with Case Keenum at quarterback, and they've ripped off six games in a row. And here they go against Detroit. And, and you might say, okay, well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is the Vikings franchise quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy Bridgewater had his season robbed from him last year with a horrific knee injury, one that shook the Vikings, one that made him made them have to go trade a first-round pick to get Sam Bradford, whose knee is now again a disaster. And through the Bradford and through the Bridgewater and the waiting for Bridgewater to come back this year, a funny thing happened. Case Keenum suddenly became a really good NFL quarterback. And I feel like the majority of football fans across the country that sit there, and maybe you don't have the package and you watch Red Zone, you see Keenum throwing these touchdowns, still don't trust it because we remember Case Keenum as a bad Ram quarterback last year, as one just throwing lobs to Dominique Rogers cromartie in London when they lost the game to the Giants. As a quarterback that couldn't last with the Texans, that got run out of there. But maybe he's found his niche with Mike Zimmer. But Mike Zimmer, after every one of these games, keeps crediting the way Keenum is playing, but he's not fanning any flames, so to speak, to me at least, in saying that it's Keenum's job for the rest of the year. He's just saying, well, how can I pull him right now? Well, of course, how can you pull him right now? But if Case Keenum goes out there versus the Lions on Sunday, on Thursday, I'm sorry, and the Lions beat him, and the Lions have another win like they had against Chicago last week where they win by a field goal, Matt Stafford outduels Case Keenum, and the win streak's over, and the Vikings have lost their third game of the year. Is that the point that Mike Zimmer turns around and goes, okay, now it's Teddy Bridgewater's team again? That doesn't seem fair. So what exactly is the leash? Does Case Keenum have to have a Nate Peterman five-interception game before we go, okay, it's definitely Teddy Bridgewater time. The Magic's run off. The Vikings got a tough schedule coming up here. They're at Detroit on Thursday, a little extended rest, and they go at Atlanta. Then they're at Carolina. Those are three tough games in a row before the schedule gets lighter with Cincinnati at Green Bay don't think Aaron Rodgers will be back for that one. Then home against the Bears to end the year. It doesn't behoove the Vikings to break up what they have going with Keenum right now, even if he has a bad Thursday on Thanksgiving, because they're going to have those another couple big road games at Atlanta and at Carolina. But the truth is, I have no idea. We can see Teddy Bridgewater play in the second half today because Mike Zimmer hasn't told us exactly what's happening. Like, how many mis- Case Keenum mistakes will it take to get Ted- to Teddy Bridgewater? And maybe Case Keenum's thriving on that. And maybe that's why he's playing well the last couple weeks. He's been playing well all year, but maybe he's really up to the notch going, oh, you're not going to bench me so easy. I've been there. I've been the backup quarterback that gets pulled. And Case Keenum is the placeholder, right? He's the the guy who sits there, and and you need him when you need him. And when the next guy's ready or the next young guy's ready to come up like Goff was with the Rams, then you pull him. Well, Case Keenum's making it hard for Mike Zimmer. But Mike Zimmer, let us know. Or just declare him the starter for the rest of the year? Or, you know, give us better answers than this. Because I don't even think Case Keenum knows. Case Keenum may only play a half on Thursday. Or he could, you know, take this Viking team to the Super Bowl. It is so crazy to think about. But that's why I think of all these guys. And Matt Stafford's got pressure on him. Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, a lot of pressure. The Chargers are in a playoff hunt, a lot of pressure. Ben McAdoo has a lot of pressure on him to get it done on national TV on Thanksgiving night. Kirk Cousins in Washington hanging on by a thread. I think the most pressure is on Case Keenum on Thanksgiving Day. Has to be. Has to be. The number is 855-212-4227. The number again is 855-212-4CBS. My Twitter handle is at MrazCBS. M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. 
Let's get back to the phones here. Tony is in Virginia. Tony, you are on CBS Sports Radio. Great show, Mraz, man. Great show. Thanks, Tony. What's up? Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, man. Eli Manning is trash, man. Oh, come on. You want to make my Thanksgiving worse, Tony? Huh? You want to make my Thanksgiving worse? What are you talking about? Eli Manning is super trash. He couldn't start for a midget league football team next year, man. Heap of trash. All right. Tony, happy Thanksgiving. I'm not going to take such nonsense. Eli Manning is not trash. Is Eli Manning trash? Is Eli Manning the same quarterback he was in 2011, in 2012? I know we threw a lot of picks then. No. Can Eli Manning still win your football games? Can Eli Manning still win your playoff games? I mean, just last January, he was throwing dimes against Green Bay, and all those idiots in Timberland boots on the boat couldn't catch a cold. Killed Eli Manning there. The beginning of this year, he's running for his life. Now the Giants' offensive line's gotten itself together, as you'll, you could probably see on Thursday night if you watch this Giants-Redskins game. But you know what the problem is? He has guys that were essentially working at a pharmacy, you know, selling candy, playing wide receiver. I mean, who was the guy who made the sliding catch versus, versus the Chiefs on Sunday to win the game in overtime? His name's Roger Lewis. I know his name's Roger Lewis because I'm a Giant fan that watches every single preseason game, regular season game. Do you know what Roger Lewis is? My guess is probably not. You know why? Because he stinks. And the only time you've ever seen Roger Lewis was, again, because he was hanging out with Victor Cruz and all that Beckham on a boat. This is who Eli Manning is throwing to. And he finally has a tight end in Evan Engram. This is like the first time he's had a tight end maybe ever in his career since, you know, Jeremy Shockey was there at the end. And they never have a run game. So don't tell me Eli Manning stinks. If Eli Manning's last name wasn't Manning and he wasn't having to be compared to his brother all the time, Eli Manning wouldn't even be debated to be in the Hall of Fame. The guy's a Hall of Famer. All right, let's get back to the phones. Let's go to Frank in Illinois. Frank, you are on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, what's going on? Love you, love your show. Hey, thanks, Frank. What's going on? Not that much. Uh, I just wanted to talk about uh, John Fox and his uh, his uh, job security for this season. Uh, thanks for the call, Frank. Listen, John Fox... Do we look at him as a as a big-time head coach anymore? No. Maybe we never did. He had that good Carolina run, and then he obviously had the Denver run. A couple Super Bowl appearances there. Actually, a Giants defensive coordinator on the team that went to the 2000 Super Bowl. They got washed by the Ravens. So his coaching pedigree is there. Do I think he is on the hot seat with the Bears because the Bears have had a bad year? No, because I think everybody expected the Bears to have a bad year, and they let John Fox in this regime draft a quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky, who I think they are handling the right way. They're giving him the playing time. They gave Glennon the playing time earlier in the year, and you're going to go through the rookie woes. I There's no difference to me between what Mitchell Trubisky is doing this year and what Jared Goff did last year. Now, you could say, well, Goff got a fire lit under him because Jeff Fisher left and he got a real offensive mind in there and Sean McVay. That is true. Maybe the Bears sit there and go, we need a real offensive mind to tackle Trubisky. I just don't see that happening. They allowed them to make the pick. I think John Fox gets at least next year, if not another two years. But you also want to be careful. You don't want to constantly be turning over your coaching staffs in the NFL. Because you know what happens when you do that? You become the Browns, and you're never good. And the Bears are too proud an organization to become the Browns. All right, let's get a Brendan in Massachusetts. Brendan, you are on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, uh, yeah, so... I don't think it's ridiculous for Tom Brady to play till he's at least 45. 50, I don't think it's that unrealistic either. I think Another Goodwin, one? Uh, 
the Super Bowl MVP? Yeah, I don't think it's that unrealistic. Fifth, Brendan, do you understand what 50 years old is on a human body? Most yeah, people yeah, only yeah, live no till 70 these days. Till 40, and now he's playing a 40. He's playing better this year than he played last year. He's played better last year than he played the year before. All right, Brendan, thanks for the call. Let's get one thing straight. Okay, I, let's go back to the 1800s here for a second. All right? There was a disease called polio, and people were dying at like 19 for that. All right? Even before that, I'm assuming people in the 1600s lived till maybe 23 max. They were married at 12. Okay? Nice nine-year marriage, and then we said goodbye to our significant others, and we were put into the ground. The human body has evolved, I understand. 50 years old is still 50 years old. My dad's 50th birthday a few years ago, and the guy's basically walking around the backyard with a limp after cutting liverwurst all day in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. All right? 50 years old, I get he's not working out like Tom Brady and eating like that. Adam Vinatieri's kicking at whatever age he's kicking at, 45 years old. He looks old. Your body naturally, no matter how much working out, no matter how much eating healthy you're doing, you know, you start to lose some muscle. You start to lose a little zip, especially if you're a guy who plays a position in which you got to be throwing the ball and throwing it with zip. Tom Brady's not playing until he's 50 years old. Okay. I never have seen this before. You're right. I don't get it. Uh, Patriot fans have a hard time letting go, I guess. That's the only thing I, that makes any sense to me here with this Tom Brady thing. You're going to have to let go. And I understand right now you're playing great. You might go win another Super Bowl this year. So you're not going to let go this year. But it's 2017. 2019, start saying goodbye, if not next year, 2018. There's a reason it pained the Patriots to trade Jimmy Garoppolo because they know the end is near too. And make no mistake, the end is near. So Mraz, in for Amy Lawrence here on After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. You can continue to get involved in the phones at 855-2124-CBS. That number again is 855 855- Two one two four two two seven, and follow me on Twitter at Mraz CBS M R A Z C B S. We will, of course, read your tweets. And uh, D Ben, did we do this here? Uh, the O'Reilly Auto Parts studio mention. We got it. Okay, so I don't want to double up there as well. When we come back, well, if your favorite team is struggling, would you root for that team not to score if it meant free beer? Interesting. We'll discuss next, CBS Sports Radio. This is After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. Mraz, in for Amy Lawrence here on After Hours. Sean Morash is the given name. Mraz. A name adopted here on these overnight airwaves and continues through. You can hear me with DA on the DA show on CBS Sports Radio. 9 a.m. till noon Eastern, Monday through Friday on CBS Sports Radio. A lot of good topics tonight. Some good NBA, the Chip Kelly stuff with uh, with UCLA and Florida, and a lot of NFL. And I guess we've gotten some crazy people from Massachusetts who think Tom Brady's playing until he's, uh, he's 50. Sorry. Which is just insane. We got a very, very interesting dilemma coming up about would you root for your team to get shut out if it meant free beer? We'll get to that in just a sec. But first, back to the phones at 855-212-4227. That number again is 855-212-4CBS. Let's get to Rick in Ohio. Rick, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, Mraz. What's happening, brother? What's going on, Rick? Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, you too, man. What's up? Hey, Mraz. 
it looks like this is a Super Bowl of all men. Drew Brees, <laughs> Roethlisberger, and Brady. Yeah. And I was I was just wondering which one do you think has the advantage? Well, this is ironic. He's setting me up to fail. Tom Brady has the advantage because Tom Brady has been there now the last couple of years. He's been there forever, and Tom Brady knows how to get it done. Not that Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger don't. They're both Super Bowl champions. But Tom Brady is like the Warriors in the NBA. Until somebody beats them again, how can we deny them? So Tom Brady absolutely has the advantage. Thank you for the call. Tommy in Michigan, you were on CBS Sports Radio. Tommy, what's up? Hey, I, I really think the Lions are going to burst Case Keenum's bubble and destroy the Vikings. Traditionally a great Thanksgiving team. Um, Traditionally a great Thanksgiving team. What does that even mean? Because they play Thanksgiving every year? Because it's been in Detroit forever. And yeah, but they don't always play well on Thanksgiving. I mean, how many times has I see Joey Harrington get his head ripped off? Well, yeah, Joey Harrington was a big mistake. I mean, but they sacked Bart Starr 11 times on Thanksgiving. Oh, oh. you know, okay, good, Tommy, good point. Happy Thanksgiving. You're right. The Lions are going to destroy the Vikings because they have a history of sacking Bart Starr on Thanksgiving. That seems relevant. That seems really relevant. So there you have it. Okay? Lions win because Bart Starr got, you know, wrecked 50 years ago on Thanksgiving. That seems smart. Okay, let's go to Donald Las Vegas. Donald, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Mr. Mraz, uh, first of all, uh, I want to say Vegas strong. Uh, second of all, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk hockey for a minute. Okay, what do you got for me, Donald? Do you guys realize what is happening here is historic, unprecedented, unlikely, and impossible? The Las Vegas Golden Knights. Or I honestly, yeah. if it wasn't for football going on and this was February and March, I do believe the Las Vegas Golden Knights would be getting more national attention. Um, Donald, thank you for the call. Yeah, Las Vegas Golden Knights, for anybody who's not who doesn't follow hockey, and I don't expect a lot of you guys out there, but we are in a lot of hockey markets. I'm a big hockey fan. They are in first place in the Pacific Division, a division that features the Kings who have won Stanley Cups recently, the Sharks who have been to a Stanley Cup. It's just it's a good division, and they're in first place, and they got down to their fourth-string goaltender. They've had injuries like crazy. James Neal, I mean, this is a team built in an expansion draft, is getting enough all over the place, and here they are in first place towards the end of November, and I think the Las Vegas Golden Knights are going to make the playoffs in their expansion season. So good for the fans out in Vegas. Obviously, it's been an emotional couple of months out in Las Vegas, and to see some winning sports, your own sports as the Raiders wait to come, and the Vegas Golden Knights kind of hold that place. I think that's really cool. It's awesome job out of that hockey team, and that, and that's a fan base that's supporting it, so that's really good. Okay. Kind of a big weekend if you were at a certain local watering hole. The Bavarian Beer House, as they say. Good Oktoberfest spot. It's a pub based in Glendale, Wisconsin. If you're listening out in Wisconsin, maybe you've been to this establishment. Anyway, on Sundays, during game day, they offer a, a deal here, Okay. The deal is, you walk in, come watch the game with us, and you can drink free beer until the Packers score their first touchdown. Now, why does this make sense from from a food or drink promotion standpoint? Some of you may know this from following the DA show, some of you don't. I have worked in food service. I was a sandwich artist at Subway for 10 years. I can manage a sandwich location, okay? I understand customer service. And you run all sorts of deals. That $5 foot-long deal, I got news for you. 
was a scam. We got you in there to because you would normally buy one sandwich for six bucks. We would put less meat on, maybe do that kind of deal, or get you to buy three sandwiches where you normally wouldn't buy three. And then the product and cost and all that stuff that goes in it. We got you. We got one over on you, and we did that at Subway. Okay. We have a good lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> point is, what is the point of this? But every once in a while, the, the, the people win, and the people won here. So, what is the point of this promotion? The point is, we're going to get you in. You're going to you're gonna say, you know what, let's go there because at least we'll get a free drink to start until the Packers score. Aaron Rodgers has been the quarterback of the Packers forever now. Before that, it was Brett Favre. So the Packers are always scoring. So you get there. By the time you get in, and by the time people get settled, if it's a 1 o'clock game or a noon game in the central time, you get your free drink. Okay? The bar is packed. Everybody has a free beer to start. That tap beer costs them nothing, and I can't imagine you're getting, you know, a really nice amber ale there. It's got to be, you know, natural light or something like that. Okay? So you get your free beer. You're sitting down, and before you know it, it's it's 10 minutes left in the first quarter, and Rodgers has one in the end zone. Or it's seven minutes in. Maybe if you're lucky, because I'm sure they're telling those bartenders, work a little slower on the free beers. Maybe if you're lucky, you get two in. Well, what happened for the first time in 11 years? The Packers were shut out at Lambeau Field on Sunday because Brett Hundley is not an NFL quarterback. The guy is drunk. <laughs> He's just not. And the Packers stunk, and they got shut out. So all these Packer fans that were there watching the game well, they kept drinking for free. And as a result of the shutout, as is being reported, the Bavarian Beer House gave away between 275 and 300 cups of free beer. Now, I don't know how big these are when you reference them as cups. Maybe they're small plastic cups instead of a nice pint, which seems a little annoying if that's what you have to keep ordering. But 300 cups of beer, because Brett Hundley is awful at playing quarterback in the NFL, is a steep price to pay. So it teaches these plays a lesson. You want to run a deal... Make sure it doesn't backfire, and this one backfired. But if you're sitting there and you're the Packers and you know with Brett Hundley in and no Aaron Rodgers, your chances at the playoffs, despite your record, because they're right there about a game out, you know your chances are slim of making the playoffs. And then you have to start thinking, do I want the higher draft pick? Do I root for a tank? Do I not? If you're watching the game at this specific location, is it okay to root a, root for your team that you're rooting for usually to be shut out to know that you have a nice Sunday that doesn't hurt your wallet that you drink for free. You know what? I say yes. It is okay. It wouldn't be okay if Aaron Rodgers was still playing and they got shut out and you needed that game for seeding. Then you're a phony fan. But knowing you're going nowhere and you can drink for free and have a nice little Sunday, drink all you want. It's on the beer house. Root for it. Tom, what do you think? Would you would you root for your team to be shut out? It, of course, depends on the season and the scenario. But if the season's lost and your backup quarterback's out there being terrible, of course. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm with you. I'm rooting against – I mean, I'm not rooting against the team, but I'm happy when they're not scoring. I'm drinking my free beers. I'm, I'm happy for the uh, draft position. I agree. James, Artie Lang Jr.? So you know me. I would never pass up a good beer deal. No, of course. Judging from the way I look. Um, there's one thing you – well, there's two things you do. You drink beer and you don't get haircuts. <laughs> yeah, that's the life that's of James Graceffa. Um, but li- listen, um, the situation you're in, if I'm going to a bar to watch a football game, my goal is to get hammered, right? My goal is to maybe That's talk nice. to some, talk to some like nice looking lady in a Brett Favre jersey or Aaron Rodgers jersey, Jordy Nelson jersey. My goal is to get absolutely blitzed so I have the confidence to go up to her and say, hey, how about this game going on? And then the more the Packers don't score, I can get more and more hammered, have more and more confidence. Okay, so James Grissett was basically saying if he's – I guess your point would be if you're a real fan and you really want to focus on the game and not talking to girls and drinking a lot, you're not at the bar to begin with. Well, to, well, Tommy's point is correct uh, to begin with. I mean, we're – obviously, if we're, if, we're, 
if we're in a playoff race, we're rooting for touchdowns, we're rooting for points, we're rooting for a Packer win. But you're not, so you're rooting for more beer so you could talk to Annie and the Brett Favre jersey. Correct. Well, James, if your game is anything like... Uh, Priorities. Your abilities to groom yourself, I don't think you'd have it's, it's not good. much of an opportunity. It's not good. That's an interesting dilemma. I think it's okay. As long as your team stinks, I think it's okay. Well, we got plenty more NFL to discuss. A full Thanksgiving slate here of two, I think, pretty interesting games and one dog food game. If you go to CBSSports.com and you like to read their NFL coverage, one writer there is Ryan Wilson. He will join us as we look ahead to Thanksgiving Day football on CBS Sports Radio. This is After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Mraz here with you in for Amy Lawrence here on After Hours, continuing this party here on CBS Sports Radio. And our next guest, another member of the CBS Sports family, covers the NFL for CBSSports.com. His name is Ryan Wilson. You can follow him on Twitter at RyanWilson underscore 07. Ryan, happy Thanksgiving. Likewise, brother. How's it going, Sean? Doing really well. And an interesting Thanksgiving slate ahead, one that I didn't think had much juice about a month ago. But with the Dallas Cowboys, there's always endless storylines. And I, reading through CBSSports.com, seeing you write about Jerry Jones backing off the threat of suing Roger or suing the NFL over the Roger Goodell contract. Uh, your thoughts. Is Jerry Jones' public war with the NFL affecting the Cowboy product on the field? This has been the hot-button uh, issue the last couple of weeks with Dallas's losing streak. Oh, that's, that's a great way to put it because typically the distractions lie with the players um, going back to, to the kneeling, at, this, at least for this season, and that was part of the problem. It's rare that you hear that the owner is, is part of the, the uh, issue, not in terms of who he's signing or who he's refusing to sign, but just the other sort of off-field quote-unquote distractions. I don't know if that has anything to do with where the Cowboys are now. They're 5-5, five and five, obviously, and teetering uh, on their playoff hopes are. I think the bigger issue is that uh, Tyron Smith, their left tackle, is arguably more important than Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott is two games into a six-game suspension. Tyron Smith missed, missed the last two games. And in both games, uh, Dak Prescott had been absolutely uh, obliterated standing behind that, that makeshift offensive line. He was sacked eight times in Atlanta in that loss, and uh, he struggled last week as well against the Eagles. So I think those are bigger on-field issues than, than what Jerry Jones is may or may not be trying to do uh, behind the scenes with Roger Goodell. And, and I think losing Sean, um, uh, the, the middle linebacker, Sean Lee, Sean Lee yeah. thank you, uh, has also been, been sort of a huge issue for that defense that they sort of rallied around him, and, and he's out now. So I think there are any number of reasons you could point to on the field um, that probably have a lot more to do with with where the Cowboys find themselves right now than, than Jerry Jones is hand-waving about how important people should think he is. Yeah, and, and as a follow-up to that, you mentioned Dak Prescott getting sacked two weeks ago versus Atlanta a ton, throws the three interceptions versus Philadelphia. You see him now get outdueled by Jared Goff and outdueled by Carson Wentz, and I know that, that Dak Prescott doesn't necessarily have all the tools as that, but when everything else breaks down around the Cowboys and they lose Sean Lee on defense, they lose Tyron Smith, they lose Ezekiel Elliott, should we be doubting Dak Prescott as a franchise quarterback? No, I don't. I don't feel so. I feel pretty good about about where Dak Prescott is as a player. But if nothing else, it just proves that he can't do it by himself. I mean, you mentioned Jared Goff. Goff's career uh, was headed straight, you know, for the toilet last year with Jeff Fisher because Jeff Fisher had probably worn out his welcome a year or two before he was finally fired. And under Sean McVay, we've seen a resurgence in what the expectations were for Jared Goff, and he's living up to and probably exceeding those expectations. And I think that's the the sort of takeaway, and that applies to apparently everyone except Tom 
Brady. You have to surround these guys with playmakers and, and uh, protection. Uh, Derek Carr is another great example. Last year, their offensive line was among the best in the league. This year, that offensive line is struggling, and Carr, as a, as a result, is struggling as well. Um, Drew Brees, they finally found a defense. He's been, you know, he's a Hall of Famer, has been for a decade now. But the Saints are, we have to take that team seriously as maybe the best team in the NFC if we're willing to concede that the, the Eagles aren't that team. But now Drew Brees is able to do what he, we're accustomed to watching him do, but he doesn't have to worry about scoring 50 points a game because there's no defense. So I think it's, co- it's a collection of things that makes a franchise quarterback a franchise quarterback. But I feel very comfortable that Dak it will be fine. And we saw glimpses of that when they were fully uh, at 100% full strength this year, but that hasn't been the case for much of the season. All right, and let's bring it to, and we're speaking with Ryan Wilson here from CBSSports.com, covers the NFL. Let's bring it to the team they're playing on Thanksgiving. The Los Angeles Chargers, who started the year 0-4, were left for dead, played that putrid Week 5 game where they end up coming back beating the New York Giants there uh, in what was a battle of two winless teams, and suddenly they find themselves a game out of the AFC wildcard. So, you know, looking again a month ago Thanksgiving, we thought this was a dud with the Chargers. Now the Chargers are playing for their playoff lives on Sunday. Should we buy them for that final mediocre six seed in the AFC playoff picture? You know what? Forget the six seed. They can win that division. Um, wow. Don't forget that the Chiefs just lost to the Giants, and they lost to the Giants in a game where they couldn't even score a touchdown. They were only kicking field goals and had to go to overtime to lose that game. I don't. I'm not exactly clear. It's not clear to me exactly what happened to the Chiefs and how they've fallen right. off such a cliff. The first month of the season, we were all wondering how anyone's going to beat this team. They were so well balanced, and now the defense is a sieve and the offense is is sputtering. And Alex Smith looks like the sort of captain checkdown quarterback we thought he was in previous seasons. Meanwhile, as you as you point out, the Chargers are red hot. Uh, they were. I mean, Thanksgiving came early to them when, when Nathan Peterman was given the start last week, and he threw five interceptions in 30 minutes of football. But even before that game, we had seen signs of, of how good they could potentially be. They historically start slow. It seems like it's uh, happened every year going back to the North Turner days where they would limp out of the gate and then get red hot, and it seems like they're following that blueprint now. But they have Joey Bosa and, and Melvin Ingram on, um, uh, on their defensive line harassing quarterbacks. Their secondary is playing much better. And, of course, they have Phillip Rivers, who's you know in the quarterback class with, with Roethlisberger and Eli Manning, but arguably he's either the 1A or 1B if you want to rank those quarterbacks. He just doesn't have a, a Super Bowl trophy. Um, so, yeah, they're they're right in the mix. That. Uh, the AFC West is not a very good division with, with the Chargers, uh, excuse me, with the Chiefs falling off, and I think it's ripe for the picking if the Chargers can stay hot. Let's go to the early game on Thanksgiving here, Vikings-Lions, and I think what's been the most fascinating storyline the last couple of weeks since Teddy Bridgewater's been activated and playing a backup role is that Mike Zimmer is not fanning any quarterback controversy flames. Case Keenum just keeps getting the job done, which is confusing everybody. It, what's the deal with Case Keenum? If he loses this game on Thanksgiving, do they automatically turn it over to Teddy Bridgewater, or do we have to see a couple weeks in a row of Case Keenum playing back to the way we're used to Case Keenum playing? Yeah, that's that's uh, Zimmer's worst nightmare if Keenum comes out and lays an egg. To his credit, I mean, coming into this season, everyone said, okay, Case Keenum's a backup. He's a guy you want on your team in, in case the quarterback gets hurt, but God forbid he wanted to play more than one or two games should you lose your quarterback for any length of time. Uh, it's turned out Sam Bradford was hobbled with a knee injury in week two or whenever that was. Keenum came in, right. and it's been seamless. And so seamless, in fact, that he looks like a legit starting quarterback in this league, and he's earned that uh, that moniker. Uh, as you point out, Zimmer has made it clear that he's sticking with Keenum, and I think that's the right decision. You don't need to create chaos where chaos hasn't 
existed previously. Yes, Teddy Bridgewater is your future quarterback, but he also hasn't played football since August 2016 because of a serious knee injury. So please don't rush him back out there. I don't think you rush him back out there if Keenum has one bad game or two bad games. They're they're currently the number two seed overall in the NFC. They're atop the the division. There isn't a lot of competition in that division beyond Detroit, and, and I think if they win this game on Thursday, uh, the Vikings, then you can sort of breathe a little easier even should Keenum not play at the level he's playing at now. There are a lot of other moving parts in that team that are contributing to their success, and, and Keenum can sort of get by by being what I just sort of made fun of Al, uh, Alex Smith for being a game manager, but I mean that in the best possible sense when I'm talking about Keenum and this Vikings team. We're talking with Ryan Wilson here, covers the NFL for CBSSports.com. Uh, the team the Vikings play here on Thanksgiving, a tradition like no other, the Lions in the early spot. Lions survived last week playing, a, you know, a Bear team that's in their division that is not very good, and they they win that game by a field goal. Detroit had started two and zero, then Atlanta came to their building, knocked them off, and things for the Lions just have been very weird since that two and zero start. And in a season where the NFC is wide open, this could have been the year for Matt Stafford to take a strangle, especially when Aaron Rodgers went down. What has gone wrong for the Lions? And I know they're only a game out. Yeah, but it's been just, uh, as you point out, it's been the inconsistency. I mean, we saw it a few weeks ago. Uh, they should have beaten the Steelers in that nationally televised game, right. and they inexplicably, despite being in the red zone five times, couldn't score a touchdown. And when you have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, at least in terms of a physical standpoint, Matthew Stafford, you have to do better than that. Now, granted, it's not all on him. They've had struggles on both sides of the ball. Uh, Eric Ebron is sort of the poster person for for those struggles, and he catches it every week uh, at home games. But as you point out, when you're without Aaron Rodgers in your division, when you're without Sam Bradford and Teddy Bridgewater in your division, and the Bears start Mike Glennon, there really is no excuse to be on the outside looking in. If there ever was a year to make a run, this was it. And for reasons that are hard to explain, um, Detroit finds himself as a seventh seed. Now, things could change, obviously, but they're, the NFC is so stacked this year right. that this game is monumentally important to them uh, in terms of switching things around and making a, a playoff run. I don't know if it's going to happen. I feel much better about the Vikings at this point. But Matthew Stafford gets hot. It's hard to stop him. Yeah, and before we let you go, Ryan Wilson here from CBSSports.com, you brought up the NFC being stacked. So we have the Lions, we have the Vikings now you have what I can say. I think the Seahawks are going to not make the playoffs now. They've lost Cam Chancellor. They've lost Richard Sherman. The defense is not what it obviously was with the Legion of Boom. And you have no Aaron Rodgers with the Packers. You lost both the dominant Cowboy and Giant teams from last year. I guess the Cowboys could still make a run here. Who, right now, Ryan Wilson ends up in the Super Bowl out of the NFC? You know what? I'm. I'm going with, I, I like watching the Eagles play, but I'm going with the Saints because of their experience. Okay. I mean, they went to the Super Bowl in 2009. Drew Brees has certainly been there forever, and he understands how to win. Sean Payton understands how to win, both with his time with the Cowboys and, and now the Saints. And, and I think that is going to be the difference between uh, winning football games in January for the Saints as opposed to the Eagles, who are incredibly fun to watch, but they're so inexperienced, especially at the important positions like quarterback. And even head coach and Doug Peterson, that, that I give the slight edge to the Saints. It doesn't hurt that you've won eight games in a row as well. Yeah, and unlike past Saints teams, this team is built to win on the road with their run game and that, that double-headed monster and their defense. And they did win in Philly with Drew Brees and Sean Payton just a couple of years ago on Wild Card Weekend. So, yeah, no reason to think the Saints, shockingly, after I figured they'd finish in last place, could go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, this is Ryan Wilson, CBSSports.com. You can follow Ryan Wilson on Twitter, at RyanWilson underscore 07. And Ryan... Before we let you go, dark meat or white meat? I like white meat, but, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not picky. All right. All right. Fair enough. Well, have a happy Thanksgiving, Ryan, and thank you so much for joining us. You too. Thanks, Sean. Ryan Wilson, CBSSports.com, covers the NFL. And, frankly, I think the answer is always white meat, right? I mean, 
nice juicy turkey breast. You carve that white meat. Throw a little stuffing, mashed potatoes, and just keep the whole plate piling up. Like, that's the beauty of Thanksgiving. There's no separation. You know, you're not cutting the turkey, taking a nibble of that. You're not cutting the stuffing up, taking a nibble of that. You eat it all together. Beauty of it. Thanksgiving, it's a mixed pot. Everything on that plate at once, and I'll throw four different things salivating in my mouth at once. Can you tell I'm hungry and I'm ready to go on Thanksgiving? The I eating, sure, sure can. Eating capital we of the world. We disagree on many things, including white or dark meat, though. You're a, a dark, dark meat, meat guy? guy. Yeah. It, you it would. What do you mean? It, it tastes flat out better. Tastes better. It's, it's it tastes like duck. Closer just to nothing the, to yeah, it. Duck is a more tasty bird than oh, turkey. Oh, duck stinks. It's oh, dry. Wow. Duck's not dry if you know how to cook. No, no. Oh, I've you eat tried duck multiple medium times. rare, and it's delicious. Eat duck medium rare. Yeah. What you know? For the after hours producer, what money are you raking that you're ordering duck medium rare? I cook it myself. I cook. You cook duck in I your cook house on a daily basis. No, I don't. I don't, I, cook I don't very, doubt the, I'm sorry. I don't cook duck very often. No, okay. I do not have the paycheck. But you've actually. I have cooked a whole duck. I have cooked duck breast. I when do you buy duck? I, I go to Stop and Shop as my local supermarket. Yeah, okay, stop not, not to be too general and, and regionalized there. I've never seen duck in the meat department. There's no duck in Stop and Shops, but Shoprite usually has duck. <laughs> We're breaking down local Shoprite supermarkets even has here. goose. Suck down this hot dog, goose yeah. and duck. Okay, well, trust the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts to help you choose the brakes that are an exact fit for your vehicle. Brands tr- brand you trust like Brake Best and Wagner Thermo Quiet. O'Reilly Auto Parts has the brake parts you need at guaranteed low prices. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. I have a producer here who cooks duck at home. I, I love my sausage smoke. I don't know what's going on here with Thanksgiving. Well, speaking of Thanksgiving, we got a big anniversary here. Happy anniversary. Five years since the butt fumble. Five years since Mark Sanchez ran into the back of an offensive line's rumpus. That's really low-hanging fruit, though. Come on. No, no, no. Be but, nice. I, but there's a reason. There are far worse plays in the NFL history than that. Okay, James. This is. Let me get to the point I really here. I struck a chord with James. Wow. But it's a Jet fan. He's not happy with me it. Me too. As a Jet fan, they should be excited today on the five-year anniversary of the butt fumble on Thanksgiving. Mark Sanchez should be excited on the five-year anniversary of the butt fumble. Why? Because in prime time, national TV, the final game on this Thanksgiving window later this evening, the Giants and the Washington Redskins will become the biggest embarrassment Thanksgiving football has ever seen. You talk about a swing and a miss by the scheduling department. Everybody thought the Giants would be good this year, and I did too as a Giant fan. Two wins, really, and they only scored 12 points last week in one of their wins over the Kansas City Chiefs. Going to take on a Redskins team that's Walking wounded, has nobody left, all banged up. Kirk Cousins still trying to shine and outduel people. They collapse versus the Saints. That team's shot at making the playoffs. This is a playoff game. They have to win this or they're out, but I don't think they're making it anyway. This is going to be an ugly, sloppy, just nothing to it. The Giants offense won't be able to move the ball, but the Redskins really, uh, they do anything, I guess. Kirk Cousins can throw a couple touchdowns. And you know what? Hot take alert. Good for the NFL for getting what they deserve. Should the Redskins be rewarded with a Thanksgiving primetime game after all the league has had to deal with with the bad publicity over the potential name change? Why should Dan Snyder reap the benefits and the Redskins be you know proud on a day that honors pilgrims and Native Americans? Why should the team that the NFL is all this ire over and, and people demanding a name change and Dan Snyder, fine, he doesn't want to change the name. It's his ownership. It's his right. I don't necessarily agree or disagree with whether the name should be changed, but it's caused a lot of heat on the NFL. And then they turned around and rewarded this franchise who's refusing to change its name and causing all this to play a home game on a day in which we remember Native Americans with pilgrims. So guess what? 
Karma bit the NFL. And now you get a really bad Thanksgiving night game. You get the bad Giants and the bad Redskins in an NFC East game that nobody wants to watch. But watch it because we're going to be talking about it tomorrow on CBS Sports Radio when I fill in for After Hours, please. Ah. Yes. Okay, when we come back, there's a team playing tomorrow with a fan base that thinks they have a certain player that's elite. I got news for you. He's not elite. Who's that player and who's that fan base? Uh, you face the tough consequences next. Mraz, CBS Sports Radio. Get involved. 855 212 You're listening to After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Don't call the show if you expect me to agree with you 100%. If you can't handle the heat, I'm telling you don't call. Don't do it. A, the world would be boring if we all agreed. B, I have opinions, so do you. It's okay for us to disagree. It's sports. This is not life or death. It's not the war in Afghanistan. It's not the fight against cancer. It's sports. So why should we all agree? It would be boring that way. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Good morning on the East Coast. This is Mraz. In for Amy Lawrence on After Hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Wishing you all a happy Thanksgiving. Okay. A lot of Thanksgiving football action to come here, right? A lot of big games. Lions-Vikings in the early slate. A playoff game essentially for the Lions is the Vikings still in play for the one seed. Big moment for Case Keenum. We just discussed there at the end of the last hour the embarrassment that's going to be the Giants and Redskins on Thursday night. Big game for the Redskins if you buy that they're still alive for a playoff spot. Uh, Giants might win themselves out of a top three pick. Who knows? But the game I think that always interests everybody on Thanksgiving has to be the Dallas Cowboys late afternoon. You're either just finishing dinner before that game starts, a 4.30 Eastern kick, or if you're on the West Coast, you know, maybe eat dinner right after the game or at halftime of that game. But at some point, you are in a home with a TV on, and the Dallas Cowboys are playing on Thanksgiving in that late window. Okay? You're usually not traveling at that time, and you sit down, you watch. And if you're like most Americans, who you either are a Cowboy fan rooting for them or you root against the Cowboys. It's tradition, right? So we got the Los Angeles Chargers going into Dallas today. The Chargers, very much alive for that very mediocre, what could be an 8-8 eight and eight team that makes that final AFC spot. So now they're in play here. This is a big game for them. Win, try to keep pace with the Ravens as they're a game out for the final playoff spot. But if you get very tired of talking to uh, Aunt Ruth, Uncle Ricky's been annoying you, talking about cleaning out the gutters. Your cousin Tommy's talking about whatever pyramid scheme is involved in now. Right, it's a rough Thanksgiving. You just tell with the conversation. And you really want to focus in and tell people you're paying attention to something. Here's something to pay attention to during this Cowboy game. Des Bryant. Has anybody noticed something about Des Bryant? He's not an elite receiver anymore. Just watch these games. Des Bryant gets by on his name being Des Bryant and the fact that he's a Dallas Cowboy and he's their number one receiver, so everybody kind of goes, ooh, it's Des Bryant whenever, whenever he makes a catch. It's Des Bryant. Des Bryant's a big-time player. He's a Dallas Cowboy receiver. Nah, no, he's not anymore. Des Bryant, with these foot injuries he's had the past few years, he has not only lost a step, he's lost two. And 
there was a time a couple years ago when you would rattle off the top five receivers in the game, and you'd go Antonio Brown, you'd go Julio Jones, maybe Demarius Thomas at the time, A.J. Green. Des Bryant would be right there. And then Odell Beckham came in, and he quickly surpassed him for the best receiver in the NFC East. Well, not only is Des Bryant falling out of the top five, he's falling out of the top 10. He's falling out of the top 15. Heck, he's falling out of the top 20. You know, during the break, I made a, a, an easy list here and just rattling off a couple names. The obvious ones are there. Odell Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown. And by the way, I know Odell Beckham Jr.'s hurt. I would say Julian Edelman's on this list too. I know he's hurt. They still count. They'll be back next year. Mike Evans. Doug Baldwin with the Seahawks. DeAndre Hopkins. T.Y. Hilton. Jarvis Landry. Tyree Kill. You're getting the idea here, right? All Sean Jeffrey with Philadelphia. All of these guys, you know what they have in common? They could take over games. Des Bryant can't take over games anymore. He just can't. Without looking you up, if I asked you where Des Bryant was in yards receiving this season, the entire NFL, my guess is you'd probably go, about this is not counting running backs, there's receivers and tight ends. You'd probably say he's got to be 15. Okay, okay, he's out of bed here. 18? He's 29th in the league in receiving yards for receivers and tight ends. 29th! There was a time Tony Romo could drop back and if Jason Witten wasn't open, a safety blanket, or his number one read was going to be Des Bryant. And Des Bryant could be cutting across the middle on a slant, use his big body, box out, and he could take it off and get, you know, a yak of 10 because he had that speed burst. Speed burst is gone. And what's happened with the Dallas Cowboys the last two weeks, as they've seemingly fallen apart, and injuries, yes, are a big part of that. You know, when Dak Prescott's getting sacked eight times versus the Atlanta Falcons, I'm not certain that's Des Bryant's problem. That's a lack of depth at offensive line when Tyron Smith gets hurt. But the Cowboys have been exposed without Ezekiel Elliott. Without him in there the last couple weeks due to the suspension, starting to realize that Cowboy 13-3 and season last year was made of glass. Heck, it was made of toothpicks. Their roster's not that good. And while Jerry Jones continues to be at war with Roger Goodell and at war with... The other NFL owners over contract extensions for the commissioner. And while he, you know, sat there and believed in Ezekiel Elliott's innocence and wanted to fight that till the bitter end, and while Stephen Jones sat behind him, and while they continued to stuff Chris Christie's face in that in that box and bring whatever celebrity there as they shined on Sunday night football and waved to everybody, you know what the Dallas Cowboys forgot to do? Build the team around their new quarterback, their new franchise quarterback. Because when Tony Romo went down last year and Dak Prescott shined and he made some plays and he made everybody a believer, and I am a believer in Dak Prescott. I think he is a franchise quarterback. The problem is Dak, now that Zeke has gone down, is playing with all of Tony Romo's parts. And they're very different quarterbacks. Romo could escape just like Dak could and and make plays on the run. Romo had a little bit of, a, in my opinion, a stronger arm. I know Dak's got a cannon for some. I liked Romo's arm strength a little better. But the offense that, that Dak Prescott is in with Dallas just doesn't fit what Dak Prescott is as a quarterback. And Jerry Jones and Steven Jones have done a terrible job of figuring that out. And they're relying on old reliables. Jason Witten is a Hall of Fame tight end. He isn't playing like a Hall of Fame tight end anymore because, don't tell Patriot fans like who think Tom Brady can play till he's 50, Jason Witten's old now and it's about time to retire. Good clubhouse leader, good locker room leader, not elite tight end anymore. 
And Des Bryant, because of the salary he's getting paid, and because his name is Des Bryant, and he's a former first-round pick, and he's not that old, I think the Cowboy Brass just believes in him because that's our guy. That's our number one receiver. Number one receiver. Des Bryant, at this point in his career, is a heck of a lot closer to a number two receiver. And by the end of next year, might be a very mediocre number two receiver at that. The Cowboys ship is sinking. And it's sinking because management has let them down on building a roster. Especially now that we know we can't trust Zeke. Because forget the domestic violence issues and whether you believe he did it or didn't do it based on the NFL's findings and whatever was sketchy there. He proved in this offseason when he got into that nightclub incident. He proved with what he did with ripping a girl's top down. He's not a mature adult yet. And somebody who, at any turn in this offseason, can get in trouble again. And since he's already serving a six-game suspension, who knows what that next suspension could be if he does do something again. You can't rely on this guy and have your whole offense built around Zeke Elliott. You need to start building an offense around Dak Prescott. So when you sit down on Thanksgiving and watch the Cowboys and Chargers, and maybe the Cowboys win because it's a short week, it's at home, Chargers traveling from L.A. to Dallas, and that's fine. Although, mm, Tyron Smith is still a little banged up even if he goes here versus his pass rush with Bosa and Ingram. They're going to have Dak on the run. And you know who Dak can't count on? Des Bryant. Des Bryant, not an elite receiver, not a number one receiver. And I don't care what you Cowboy fans say. It's time to come to reality. Your roster, other than Ezekiel Elliott and that offensive line, stinks. It's not a good team. It just isn't. It's made of glass. You can call me at 855-212-4227. That number again is 855-212-4CBS. You can tweet at me, at MrazCBS. That's M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. I am in here for Amy Lawrence and After Hours on this Thanksgiving morning. And taking your tweets, as we discussed last hour, you know, white meat, dark meat. Ryan Wilson said he's a white meat guy. I said white meat's the only way to go. And Tom D. Ben got into the fact that he likes dark meat. He likes duck. He's cooking duck. Kevin tweets in, turkey legs are the best. This is the poultry hill I will die on. And if you don't like duck, credibility zero. First of all, when you're dying on a poultry hill, I got respect for that. Because I'm a guy who's never been afraid to tip the scales. And as I said, I'm a triple play guy on on Thanksgiving. Give me three plates. So I respect your ability to say that you're going to hammer home turkey legs. I don't mind a turkey leg. I prefer white meat. I don't mind the turkey leg. It's a little messy for me. A little barbaric. But okay, you like a turkey leg. Good for you. What I don't understand is you telling me if I don't like duck, my credibility is zero. When did duck become this common item that everybody is having uh, you know, on a Thursday night? Do you think I'd get home after a day working on the DA show on CBS Sports Radio? I take the train home every day. I live on Long Island. Do you think I get home? I walk in the house and I go, all right, what can I take out of the fridge here to cook for dinner? Oh, look, there's the duck. Let me just push aside the milk and let me pull the duck out. I'm going to throw this in the oven for a couple hours and roast it. I'm a fat lord. Unless you're going out, who's cooking duck? If you don't like duck, credibility zero. Who has it enough to like it? It's a special thing. That's the point. It's not special, though. Duck? Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah. But what's so special about it? Because it's delicious. A beautiful cut of meat. The the fat cap on a duck breast, you cook, you render that down, and then it stays nice and moist. It's delicious. It's the best tasting bird. I mean, Kevin's a foodie. Kevin's a big fan of the show. He's a foodie, just like I am. Apparently, that uh, is under fire from you. I thought you were on our team. I didn't realize we were adversarial on this front. Pilgrims and Native Americans here, Thanksgiving, they had the idea. Turkey is the tastiest bird, and that's why we celebrate it here on Thanksgiving. Didn't they eat lobster? 
tell me you don't like. You probably don't even like lobster. I like lobster. It's a little bit of pain in the neck with the crack and the shells and everything like that. But Kevin, please, with all of that, uh, and Daniel tweets in Murat, at Murat CBS. Just got up and tuned in. Got to listen to you while I get ready to go sit out in the cold and hunt deer. That's a big Thanksgiving morning. A little deer hunting for Daniel. Enjoy that. Clearly, a guy wants to get away from the family and just go hunt. So that's I, you know, I got to respect that. Hope he's back in time for football. CBS Sports Radio is good in tree stands. Yeah. <laughs> the service on the stream is good. Uh, we are coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day on this Thanksgiving morning. When we come back, Chip Kelly's name was floated around in a tug-of-war between two schools all day on Wednesday. UCLA or Florida? What's actually the better college head coaching job? I tell you next. Harass, CBS. Want to experience great live music? Go to LiveNation.com to buy tickets to Pink, Foo Fighters, Jay-Z, Guns N' Roses, Demi Lovato, Maroon 5, the biggest country artists and more. The greatest concerts to give you the best memories are at LiveNation.com. Get tickets now. Who doesn't love Pink? I love Pink. What about us? Amazing Pipes. Yeah, Amazing Pipes. She's had some run. Yeah. And many people forget. Before there was a Carrie Underwood and a Faith Hill, there was a pink on the Sunday morning, uh, Sunday night football intro. A forgotten era, the pink era. All right, this is Mraz here on CBS Sports Radio, filling in on After Hours for Amy Lawrence on this Thanksgiving morning. Happy Thanksgiving to all. You can get involved with the program at 855-212-4227. That number is 855-212-4CBS. And continue to send your tweets in at MirazCBS. Uh, Chuck tweets at myself and DA, as I am normally DA's producer on the DA show from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern, Monday through Friday on CBS Sports Radio, tweets at both of us, Mraz isn't bad, which I think should have been the goal, right? I should have strived to do the show and have people come in and go, you know what, he isn't bad. If sports radio Twitter is saying you're not bad, that's actually you saying you're really good. Right, I think that's – just don't be bad. All right, yeah. that's, that's the – just don't be bad. So, okay, thank you, Chuck. Thank you for listening. I'm not bad. Okay, big – all week we've been talking about this, or on CBS Sports Radio, Chip Kelly, is it Florida? Is it UCLA? Ever since Jim Moore Jr. got fired, and reports were all out about Wednesday. There were reports that he had already agreed to deal with Florida and had a backout clause. Then there were reports that he was close to a deal with UCLA. And there were reports that seem obvious that he won't coach in any other college but Florida or UCLA. So here we are in these polar opposite ends of the country. We have the Pac-12. We have the SEC. Two prominent schools and Power 5 conferences chasing after Chip Kelly, who was the man at Oregon before there was a college football playoff. So we started the show with this a couple hours ago. And it needs to be reiterated. When you're Chip Kelly and you're thinking about making this decision, what is the goal? The goal, I believe, should be to win a national championship. And Chip Kelly, if you want to count the window of the next four years with pressure on and all this else, the only chance he has to win a national championship between those two schools is if he goes to UCLA. That is the job. Florida is not the job. You say, what? how could he say that? Florida's in the SEC. They play in SEC championship games. Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, you got to get through the behemoth that is Nick Saban. And if Nick Saban's not there, there's Auburn sitting there waiting. 
The SEC East can be easy, but you know what? Kirby Smart's got Georgia up in the right. You know, they're there now. So those are three monster schools you got to get through and run the gauntlet. And that's not counting, you know, if you're playing a schedule where Mississippi State sneaks up on you. I just think it's much more difficult to do in Florida. And Chip Kelly himself is a weird guy. You know, we were at the Final Four in Arizona, myself, DA, a few others out there for CBS Sports Radio. And the night before the Final Four, we're at a local watering hole in Arizona when who happens to be there but Chip Kelly. And Chip Kelly's kind of hanging with us. He kind of knows people who we know. And he's sitting there, and he's having a couple beverages. And he struck me, not that he wasn't a friendly guy, but he's a very, just a weird guy. He's kind of in his own world. He's not exactly the most personable person in the in the universe. Very smart offensive mind. If you leave him alone to run a run a football program, he could figure it out. I've more than figured it out, obviously. The guy was an offensive genius in college. But when you get down to Florida and it's about recruiting those kids, you got to think about something. You're dealing with Florida State right now and Jimbo and everything that's going on. I don't buy that he's going to Texas A&M. You're dealing with Miami and the rise of Miami now. Because when Miami's good, that's as good as it gets in Florida right there. And that... That turnover change, say what you want to say about it, it represents swag. It's it's something high school kids who are playing football, they want to wear that turnover chain. They want to get on. It's something cool about playing Miami, playing at Miami again. The U is back. What is Chip Kelly relating to these kids in Florida who want to throw that chain around their neck and play for the U or want to go up with the tomahawk chop in Tallahassee? What's he selling them on? The offense he had in Oregon that these guys who were kids then were maybe – asleep for because his games are starting at 10.45 p.m. Eastern time? They can't relate to that. Chip Kelly's going to look at the turnover chain, and again, he's going to look go, assume you know it's Flavor Flav's clock around his neck. He, he doesn't know any different. He's a weird guy. But he's got the pipeline of the Pac-12. He's been there. He's recruited out there. You can get good quarterbacks out there. Look what's going on with UC, USC and UCLA right now, right? They got two good quarterbacks. Problem was... The coaching and the rest of the roster, they couldn't get him over. Jim Moore Jr. has had a lot of talent there. Couldn't get anything going at UCLA. You could recruit at UCLA. Chip Kelly can recruit at UCLA. And right now, he still has a crop of kids that he could recruit that are in high school that might be 16 years old, 17 years old, 15 years old, that as they were growing up, they watched him coach and run an awesome offense in the Pac-12, a fun offense that they could be a part of. You know, the last four years, the Pac-12, if USC gets it done in the Pac-12 championship game, we'll have had four different winners. There's so much parity in that league. If Chip Kelly takes over at UCLA, like he did up in the Northwest with the Ducks, Chip Kelly instantly is in the college football playoff every year with UCLA. With his recruiting out there and with the Pac-12 just ripe for the picking, he will take over the Pac-12. Doesn't matter if he's second fiddle to USC. Chip Kelly at UCLA makes all the sense in the world. Florida would be a mistake. Florida fans won't have the patience. He won't have the patience. And this is a guy now who's flopped twice in the NFL with the Eagles and the 49ers. Don't want to flop on your return to college. Safest bet for him is UCLA. They will be more patient, and I think he wins right away. And what a big win for the Pac-12 that would be. And, And the People in the world who don't want to see Chip Kelly go to UCLA, you know those people are? The NFL. Because if Chip Kelly goes to UCLA, guess what happens? There's more college football buzz in L.A. There's already a ton of college football buzz in L.A. with USC and UCLA. Nobody's going to these Rams games at the Coliseum. 
It's all road fans at the soccer stadium the Chargers are playing in, and the NFL is trying so hard to sell you on the NFL in L.A. Heck, they force-fed the Chargers here on Thanksgiving Day just to have an L.A. team playing on Thanksgiving Day. But if Chip Kelly goes there and he's got UCLA playing for Pac-12 championship games, well, it's even less fans there that are going to care about that. Now, I know the NFL wants Chip Kelly in Florida, but Chip Kelly should go to UCLA if he wants to win. Number is 855-212-4CBS. That number, again, is 855-212-4227. Let's go to the phones. George in Detroit. George, you're on CBS Sports Radio. What's going on, brother? How are you? Good, George. Happy Thanksgiving. How are you? Likewise. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just excited for this game today. I, I think Minnesota, they're walking into a, a hornet's nest. I think I think the Lions are going to come, and it's a statement game for us, I think. I oh, think it's a big gonna, one. We're going to really lay the hammer down on them. Well, I hope you do, George. Have fun with your Thanksgiving there with the Lions. I think the Lions winning this game today would make the NFC more interesting. Because, frankly, the Lions in a wide-open NFC, and especially that division when Aaron Rodgers went down, and now the Seahawks injuries, they may not make the playoffs. And it looks like the Cowboys and Giants, who were two 11-13 win teams last year, they're not going to be in the playoffs. This was ripe for Matt Stafford and the Lions, who got off to a 2-0 start, to have a big year and create some real magic in Detroit, actually win playoff games. And they've really faltered. They fell off. They had a big win, but it was a little too close for comfort versus the Bears last week. You'd like to see them versus the Vikings, but that Viking defense right now is playing so well, and Case Keenum is playing so well. So it's one of those things i got to believe it when I see it. But that, to me, is the game of the day, matchup-wise, if you flip a coin. I hope you got something there, George, but that Viking defense is too good. Well, look who we have here. I'm sorry, who are you? Uh, hello, Peter. I am Sean Mraz. <laughs> Peter Schwartz is in on the morning. and Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Peter. This is a real treat. So if you listen to the overnights for the first two years of CBS Sports Radio on the DA show, it was myself producing, Kenny Brock ran the board, DA was hosting, and Peter Schwartz was on the updates. Two-fourths of the gang is back together here for a little this bit. This is pretty cool for at least... Half an hour. It is pretty cool. I'm so happy to see you. Good to see you. Congrats on your son's championship. Oh, yes. That was a lot of fun last week. <laughs> yes. That was he, pretty cool. Peter's son won a uh, won a youth football championship. So that was pretty awesome. So congrats uh, on. And he's still he's pissed off at you because you didn't uh, you didn't come to the game. Uh, you know, well, you were extended what, a, a tremendous VIP invitation. And here's the deal. There would have been lunch afterward. Lunch afterward would have been nice. You can't. We can't be scheduling these youth football games at two o'clock in the afternoon Eastern when there's NFL well, on. It's still a football Sunday. Come you on, know? get the game done at 10 a.m. We're in, we're out, we're at brunch at the diner there were afterwards. Other age groups that had to go first. Well, this is the older age group. It's just, then have a bye week. <laughs> what are you going to do? Have 11 and 12 year old kids playing when it's 10 degrees outside? Yes, come on. Come on. We got to watch football. All right, Pete. Well, it's good to see you. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you and the family. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we come back. There's a special Philadelphia Eagles fan who's going to join us. And I have to break some news that his winter is going to get very cold and very dark. That next on CBS Sports Radio. This is After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. When it's time to replace your battery, trust the professional people at O'Reilly Auto Parts to help you choose the superstar battery that's an exact fit for your vehicle. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. This is Mraz in for Amy Lawrence on After Hours. Thank you so much for joining me this morning, tonight, wherever you are, whatever time zone you're in. You're up. You're up early. You're up late. It's been a pleasure. Well, if you know anything about the DA show and follow me there as DA's producer slash right-hand man, 
They call me the dictator of Chubbo Nation. Why? Well, quite frankly, I'm a slob, and I've been that way my whole my whole life. And as you can imagine, today is what you know people like me were built for. Ken Griffey Jr. had the home run derby, right? Emmett Smith had big NFL playoff games. Tiger Woods, he had big major tournaments. Sean Morash, a.k.a. Moraz, he has Thanksgiving. Three plates minimum. Little Annie pasta start. A couple pieces of pudding pie. A couple cannolis. I've been through the rigors. I know how to have a successful Thanksgiving. So for that, you might want to listen to the chubby old guy from Long Island because I'm going to give you your five tips for a successful Thanksgiving right now. Love to eat turkey. <laughs> love to eat turkey. I love you. Okay. If you were on the East Coast, chances are at some point during this Vikings-Lions game today, unless you were the one hosting Thanksgiving, you will be on the road traveling during this game. So if you're not alone, if you're not single, whether you be a male or a female, and you have a significant other, have them drive. Have them drive to Aunt Bethany's house for Thanksgiving. You know why? Because in this day and age with iPads and with phones... You can stream this Vikings-Lions game and watch it in the passenger seat or in the back seat. Or if you need to, listen to it on the radio through a pair of headphones because maybe not everybody in the in the car wants to listen to that. They want to listen to music or whatever. So there should be no excuse if you think smartly, why don't you drive? I could drive home later. No big deal, sweetheart. But why don't you drive there so I can watch Vikings-Lions because that looks like a heck of a football game. That's tip number five. <laughs> <laughs> Tip number four, if you're not going out to a restaurant and you're going to a relative's house, right? Something needs to end. A Thanksgiving tradition for me needs to end, and that's the dressing up. Thanksgiving is about being a slob. There's the gravy. There's the potatoes. You've got the meat sweats, uh, all the sorts of creams and stuff that come with dessert. Why do I need to be all buttoned up in a button-down shirt ready for my gut to explode? Why do I need a pair of slacks? Why do I need dress shoes? Can I wear either comfortable jeans, heck, a pair of Zubaz, stretchy pants, and just throw on a football jersey and call it a day? Thanksgiving should be about relaxation. Why is it that we look at all the other relatives like we don't know that Cousin John wears sweatpants on a Saturday afternoon when he's home? I know he wears sweatpants. I wear sweatpants, too. Why can't we wear sweatpants together on Thanksgiving? We should. That's tip number four. (laughs) Tip number three, and this is like your favorite NFL offense, okay? Start slow. Finish strong. I go hard on the provolone cheese in Genoa early. Sometimes it hinders my performance at the dinner table when the turkey comes out. If you're in an Italian household on Italian Thanksgiving, lasagna, stuffed shells, they're going to roll that out at you, okay? And it's kind of like facing the Chargers pass rush, whether it's Ingram or Bosa, and you got to dance around in the pocket and beat Dak Prescott. I like it. It's going to get me. The lasagna's got to get me. Dodge it out of the way. If you're having it, a small slither. Don't cut yourself a big hunk. Don't let grandma say, you got to have it. I've been having the sauce on the pot all day. You don't need that. Because you know why? You're going to fill yourself on that, and then you're going to give a lackluster one-plate performance when the turkey stuffing and mashed potatoes comes out. That ain't good for anybody. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> Number two, and this is pretty important. You want to look like you matter, and you want to look like you're giving a helpful hand? Help put away the dinner. Avoid the dishes at all costs. 
but help put away the dinner. So when everything's packed up and I'm going to get ready for dessert in a little bit and everybody goes ventures out, maybe, you know, the kids go play a game of Monopoly, people do dishes, stand by the fridge with the tubbleware, with the big storage bags, and you help put away the turkey, you help put away the stuffing, you help put away the mashed potatoes. You might ask, ask yourself, Sean, why do I want to put away anything? Why do I want to help? I'm, it's not my house. Why am I helping? You know why? You control leftover distribution there. You get as much turkey, if you want white meat or dark meat, that you want to bring home. That, tur that leftover distribution is key because Friday when you're sitting there and you're watching a little college football, maybe you got Arkansas-Missouri on CBS, you're going to want that turkey sandwich. How do we know you're going to have that turkey sandwich? Because you help put away the leftovers, and now you control the distribution and exactly what you get. So key, so important. <laughs> and last but not least, if I am going to leave you as a Husky fellow with any tip of advice for Thanksgiving, it is going to be this one. When dessert comes out, there is going to be a smorgasbord for you to dive into, right? I mean, there's going to be pastries. There's going to be cookies. There could be some brownies. And, of course, pies. And not just one pie. There will be several pies on your table. There's pecan pie. There's apple pie. There's, in my family, we love a good pudding pie. Don't get the piece, first piece of pie. Don't go for it. You're going to want to jump up and be a hero at the dessert table and claim what's yours. There will be enough pie for you, but if you grab that first piece, you know what happens? You get the worst piece of all, because when you're going to cut that, nobody ever has the proper serving items there, and the piece of pie is going to fall apart, and I got an apple pie that's half turned over, the crust is broken, or pudding that's dripping over the edge, and then you have a messy piece of pie! Don't you want a nice, pristine piece of pie? The only way that happens is let some other fool at your Thanksgiving dinner take the piece of pie first, and then you create that, that slither that's taken out, and then it becomes equal, easy cutting for everybody to dive into. That's what Thanksgiving's all about. Don't grab the first piece of pie. And those are my five keys to having a successful Thanksgiving. All right. And now somebody who I know knows how to have a good Thanksgiving. Somebody who's meant a lot to me in my career as I'm hosting my first ever show here on CBS Sports Radio. And that is the great John Kincaid from the JK show. John Kincaid show. He will be filling in for Gio and Jones next. And we bring him up now. John, what's going on? And I'm only getting paid once today like i'm filling in for geo and jones they they couldn't trust you with that you know, you're just <laughs> filling in for one person whereas i'm filling in for geo and jones you're just filling in for amy so you're petitioning to have both geo and jones's pay go to you here well i think i should i mean it, it's it's but but it's thanksgiving and i am so proud hearing you host your first show here on the network and we talked about it this week you are seamless my friend you are seamless, and you sound wonderful, and it, it's great hearing your stuff. And that was really your wheelhouse, honestly. Uh, no quite. Well, if you know the me. Food Network ever put a sports center on, you're 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 becoming Dan Patrick. You will be <laughs> you will be if, if that ever happened. You're the king. Well, thank you. That is definitely my wheelhouse, and thank you. I know you meant a lot to me. You helped me prepare for this show, so uh, I really really appreciate well, all you you've listen. Done. You're killing it. I appreciate that. Well, now uh, we got to get to serious business here. Oh, now you're going to turn the tables on me. We got now you finally get the opportunity to turn the tables I, on I me. do. I'm in the power chair. It's your say. chair, yes. Uh, you know your winter's about to be a disaster, right? Really? All I right. live in Atlanta. I wear shorts 12 months a year. And that's not what I mean. I am envious oh. of your weather. Oh, I thought so, you were a weatherman all of a sudden. So John Kincaid lives in Atlanta, does great sports talk down there in Atlanta with Buck and Kincaid. Fills in here on the network. Has his own show on Sunday mornings on CBS Sports Radio, the, J the John Kincaid Show. But, John, you grew up in Philly. You're a big yes. Eagles fan. And you're all over Twitter and you're on the Wentz wagon, as you should be. Oh, I, I was wrong, Carson Wentz. Guy's a really good quarterback. But you know this isn't your year, right? Uh, explain to me why. Give me three reasons it isn't. Okay. 
first and foremost. See, I turned the tables on you as a host. No, no, That no. was a rookie move. I got you it. let me turn the tables on you. I got you. Okay. The, the Saints are the best team in the NFC. The Eagles aren't. Explain and, to me how. Okay. The Saints run the ball a heck of a lot better. I don't care that you have Jay Ajayi and LeGarrette Blount. You're out of your mind. That two-headed monster in New Orleans is the best run offense in football. No. The Eagles, the Eagles are the best. The Eagles, Eagles are the best offense in football. Period. Okay, they're the best. They're the number one scoring offense in the NFL. And by the way, it's sort of not close. I think they're like by two and a half points a game. As you know, when we get to the playoffs and we get to January, if you can run the ball and play good defense, and the Eagles can play damn good defense with that pass rush. Sure, that's what it's all about. But what pushes me over the edge? Wentz is going to be there in his career. The Saints are going to sneak up on you with a real quarterback who has been there and a coach who has been there in Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And the Philadelphia Eagles, when they meet the Saints, whether it be the divisional round or whether it be the NFC Championship game, will not get past that team. And I don't care if the game's in Philadelphia, John, because just a couple years ago, everybody talks about the Saints being an indoor team, and I get it. They went into Lincoln Financial Field with Drew Brees. I know it's a different team, but Drew Brees and Sean Payton proved they could do that on the road in that stadium and oh, I, don't, I don't care if those fans are booing Santa Claus and throwing batteries. That ain't that great a home field Okay, here's what, I, here's, what I, here's what I'm going to tell you, first of all, is that what happened a few years ago when Chip Kelly was the head coach I'm talking about nothing. Drew Brees and Sean Payton's mentality. They know they could go into that building and win. By the way, I do think that this year's Saints team is better than that team. Oh, they are. But this, but this Eagles team is exponentially better than the team that won the division at ten and six under Chip Kelly. It's not even. It's not even close. Well, for sure, this is. This might be a better Eagle team than we ever saw under Donovan McNabb. This could be better than the Eagles Super Bowl team against the uh, against the uh, pa- uh, Patriots. Right. That they lost twenty four twenty one and Donovan threw three interceptions, two in the red zone. Not that I'm bitter. Uh, but uh, no, I it's, I understand your thought process, and to me, you are absolutely on the right track. The most dangerous team is the Saints, period. But I think there's one you're forgetting, the the team to me, and that's Atlanta. I think if Atlanta gets into the postseason, they're going to be an extremely difficult out for anybody because they're going to be having that redemption story on their side, and they also have an MVP quarterback. And they got over a huge mental hurdle, and they did not blow the lead to the Seahawks on Monday night. Which is shocking to say that, right? No, but, but I mean, when you come off that Super Bowl, yes. when you blow it, that's always going to be in the back of your mind. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is. And it's something that they're going to have to live with because they, they created that. But to me, the two teams that I would like to see the Eagles avoid, and I would tell you this, if the Eagles have home field and they can avoid the Saints and Atlanta and not have to beat either one of them, Mraz, sit down, Super Bowl Sunday, because you're going to be watching the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And you're not gonna I'll, be, I'll, I'll guarantee that. And you're not going to be able to beat the Patriots because Eli Manning's not walking through that door in an equal uniform. Well, please. No, no, exactly. No, we have a quarterback that's actually accurate. Oh, interesting. That, which interesting. is really good. And Eli's also, pretty accurate at sliding two Super Bowl rings on his finger. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah he, that defense was fantastic. They carried him. That yeah. was really good. Oh, the really defense good. really threw that ball to Manningham down the sideline in Super Bowl. Yeah, 46. well, guess what? Guess what? I mean, seriously, you're going to you're gonna cherry pick. You're going to talk about the, you know, the, 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 the time that you got that beautiful woman to marry you. It's like, I mean, it's like you're talking about like the diamond. You're talking about the one great day of your life. I mean, this is it's, and this is your second. This is amazing. Listen, Eli Manning will be in Canton a good 15 years before Carson Wentz even sniffs there. On I'll a visit. buy his ticket because I have no idea how he's getting there otherwise. Okay. Remember, I, I'm I mean, well, when he finishes top seven all time here in passing yards and touchdowns, and he has two. You Super mean Bowl rings. stats? Oh, geez. Oh, here we the go. Stats. The stats. All I'll tell you is this, Maraz, is that one thing is that is the NFC is so much better than the AFC. Oh, and it's far more interesting. The AFC, unless it's the Steelers or Patriots, nobody's getting a Super Bowl out of that other than those two. And I don't believe the Patriots' defense could do a thing against the Eagles' offense. 
you have could a Tom, do a thing. Now I realize Tom, Tom Brady, Brady can Tom Brady can dissect anybody, can can just dissect a team. He's going to he'll be good for his twenty seven points or whatever it is. Pencil it in. But I don't believe that the Patriots defense can do a thing. Just like last year in the Super Bowl, where the where the Falcons were just tearing them apart, the Eagles offense is is as good, if not better, than the Falcons were last year. And they could put up all their points. And this Eagles defense won't blow a twenty five point lead. All right, well there you go. Now you see the Eagle fans got the big head. Well, John, thank you for joining me. Mraz, I'm so proud of you. Love Thank it. You. And I'm looking forward to top of the hour talking to everybody on this Thanksgiving. That's Have it. a great Thanksgiving, buddy. Thank you, John. You too. So stay tuned on CBS Sports Radio on many of these same affiliates or go check out the app on the TuneIn app, the radio.com, or the CBS Sports app. John K will get you pumped up for a good football slate. So as we enter Thanksgiving here and we play three games, two big ones, one terrible one at night with the Giants and Redskins, things to keep your eye on. The leash of Case Keenum in this first game. Not that Case Keenum's going to get taken out here, but if the Vikings lose this game to the Lions and the Lions got to have it, they're home, short week, does Mike Zimmer turn around and find that as the opening to turn to give it to Teddy Bridgewater? You know deep down Mike Zimmer wants to give it to Teddy Bridgewater. There's got a lot of people within that organization rooting for him. Heck, he's, he was their franchise quarterback. You know, the miracle comeback, the Disney story is waiting to be written with Teddy Bridgewater, and Case Keenum's hot play is putting a stop to that. If Case Keenum stays hot here versus the Lions, short week, I have a hard time just assuming that we're going to throw Teddy Bridgewater in and get him ready for a playoff run on a Viking team that seems ready to win now. For the Detroit Lions, this was supposed to be a year, once Aaron Rodgers went down, that they should have seized the opportunity, and they haven't. If they lose this game to the Vikings, for me, they're out. Eliminated, see ya. It's a playoff game for the Lions today and a personally big game for Case Keenum in the early matchup. Later on, Dallas Cowboys. I told you, watch out for Des Bryant. Because he stinks now. He's not an elite receiver. I am bordering on calling him a number two receiver at this point in his career. The Cowboys season could become officially a free fall, a dumpster. It could be over if they lose on a short week at home versus the Chargers. If it's not already over. Things are going to get testy in the Cowboys. And we're going to really find out about that leadership in that locker room without Tony Romo. If the Cowboys season crumbles in front of us. And the Chargers started 0-4. Beat the Giants in a matchup of two 0-4 teams in a game nobody wanted to watch. And don't look now. The Chargers are a game out of the final spot in the AFC. Uh, I Granted, that last spot in the AFC is not going to go to anybody great. But the Chargers could be very live there with that pass rush. Because pass rush wins in the playoffs. And they have a good pass rush. So maybe as NFL fans, if we want to see some interest out of the sixth seed in the AFC, whether you end up going to Jacksonville or Kansas City and play on that wild card weekend, seeing the Chargers with that pass rush and a quarterback like Phillip Rivers... That might be the way to go. There we go. Two-point favorites the Chargers are in Dallas. Well, that's it for me, Mraz, on CBS Sports Radio. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Ryan Wilson. Thank you, Yogi Roth. Thank you, Tom DiBendetto. Thank you, James Graceffo. Thank you, Peter Schwartz. Thank you, Marco Belletti. It has been a pleasure. I will be back tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, whatever you want to call it, recapping all these games on a football Friday in for Amy Lawrence on After Hours. This was Mraz. Take care, everyone. CBS Sports Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.